This week on Invasion of the Podcast, we are definitely not going to talk about Batman. Psych, we totally are. We relate too much to Count Crowley, reluctant midnight monster hunter. And Steve will impress us with his presidential knowledge for our President's Day pop culture quiz. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship just a minute Ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. My name is Paul, and somewhere uh, in his own horror host stage, a.k.a. his office, is Steve. Hello, everyone. Uh, uh, uh. I don't know why I just became the professor of history. I would like that. I, I, that would be great. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, a, a four-issue comic run uh, called uh, Count Crowley, Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter that was through Dark Horse. Uh, we'll get more into that soon, um, but I just throw it out here at the beginning. It's a fun read. People should support smaller comics, and we'll talk more about that too. So to tease that up front. Also, uh, I got a President's Day's quiz because I know President's Day just happened. Um, but you know, whatever, because the rest of this month is like, I looked up my little calendar app. Um, there, I just couldn't think of anything else to do. So it's now it's going to be a President's Day quiz. That um, yeah, we'll see how well Steve does with it. I predict I'm going to do terrible. Uh, some of, I mean, some of it's multiple quiz, so at least you got a shot. Multiple quiz. Got it. Perfect. All right. So, um, yeah, uh, before we uh, get into uh, news here, uh, I um, just want to mention that, uh, uh, what was it, last week, um, I, I've been really getting into, um, like, trying to learn how to cook better and, and make, you know, food because we're stuck in the house right now because it's a plague still. And I, I just, I realized that like through my twenties and early thirties that I really, I just never developed a good skill set for cooking. And I want to have that ability of just kind of like, look at things we have and be like, I can make that as opposed to, oh no, it's not in the can. I like what, how, like, you know, so I want to like, try to like get a little better at cooking. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve, are you, are you, uh, do you, do you do cooking or like what, where, other than Kmart sandwiches? What else, like, what else is, uh, your, <laughs> I, I do cooking, but I, I have a limited palate, uh, palate, uh, a limited knowledge of things that I can make. I, I will say that, uh, you know, I, I do try to branch out like a couple weekends ago. I made uh, Cuban sliders, Cuban sliders, uh, which turned out pretty good. Um, I mean, it was, they were also ridiculously easy to make. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I have a few things in my wheelhouse that I'm good at, but I, I don't know that I consider myself a cook. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm a cook either. It's just that I'm trying to learn more. And we've had an air fryer for like three years now that we never really used because I was convinced that it was much like a, a ghost trap that we used it once and you just can't open it again or else like the grease ghost will fly out or whatever. Um, <laughs> like, because it has the same thing. You kind of pull it out. You're like, what's going on? Is the, what's the containment chamber like right now? But I've been getting more and more into it. And I've been uh, making a lot of chicken wings because... Um, I like wings. I, I, I like, I think wings are, are great food to have, and there's a good way to make them that 
Um, you can still fry them, but not like, you know, you can still make relatively healthy chicken wings, right? So that's what I've been trying to do. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I, was, I made a whole bunch of them, but um, I was trying to cut the drum from the, the sorry, the, the drum from the flat, right? That's what they call the two parts of the wing. I don't know. Um, you know, the, the upper arm and the lower arm of the wing. And I didn't have like a good knife and I just took me like it just it wrecked my hand after a while of trying to cut all these wings. So I wanted to find a butcher knife for wings and you know, you just never know when you need a butcher knife. Um, when we were out that weekend trying to buy all these wings to, to make, we couldn't find one. But then I ended up uh, like figuring out, oh, I should just go to uh, Gordon Food Service because they do a lot of prep like stuff there and they also sell utensils there, right? So why wouldn't they have a butcher knife there? Uh, so I went, I, I, but here, here's the best part, Steve. This is why I was wanting to tell you this. I wore my, uh, my cloth mask in there because of the pandemic, but the one I wear out outdoors is the half Jason mask. So it's half of the hockey mask from Friday 13th. I go in there specifically to pick up a butcher knife and cutting board. And that's all I buy from <laughs> GFS wearing half a Jason mask. And I was entertained by myself and I don't know if anybody else was paying attention to me. <laughs> Well, that's good though that you uh, you were entertained. I don't know, like I, I feel like uh, you know it's it's always better when like there's just one person who notices because it makes it all worth it. Yeah, and and no and no one paid, no one bad an eye. It's like oh, he's wearing like a mask from a movie about a person that picks up many sharp objects and kills many people. Good thing we're selling him a butcher knife, you know. Well, I, I remember uh, this is years ago when I worked at Verizon. Um, there was a guy waiting to get his phone looked at. And I noticed he had uh, the Curse of Thorn tattoo, which is from Halloween 6. Uh, and we all know how popular Halloween 6 is. But, like, he had he had the tattoo on his arm, which is featured prominently in the movie. And uh, he was getting up to get helped. And I, I told the salesperson, I was like, be careful with this guy. He, he wears the mark of the, uh, the thorn on him. And the guy stopped. He's like, no one ever gets that. He's like... I can't, he's like, you're the first person in the, all the time that I've had this cop, this tattoo that's known what that is. I'm like, huh? I'm a Halloween fan. What do you want? And like, I made that guy's day. So, you know. <laughs> so hopefully like someone at the store was like, Hey, look at this crazy asshole buying a, a butcher knife in a yeah, Jason mask. Just, you know, it's, it's like, there was that one comedian, I forget the comedian's name, but he made the joke about how, uh, he walked into a supermarket and, and saw a guy wearing a, a white, um, a white coat covered in blood. And he's like, Hey, he's like, Hey, where's the, where's the, um, the deli aisle. And he's like, I don't know. I don't work here. And the guy, like, <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, that, that I, I know it's a small thing, but I was entertained by that. And it turns out that the butcher knife is very satisfying, uh, cutting through bone. Like, I know that sounds, uh, like <laughs> that's even better when you set up the wings and just do it. It's like, I got to get a little bit more confident with my, with my chopping motion. So that way, whenever one day I'm unleashed upon a bunch of campers, it will be better. But whew, that is a very satisfying swing and it's like chop, you know? So, um, I, you know, it turned out a lot easier. So before so, we move on, yes. I, I have a, I have a very important question for you. Yes. Uh, are you a wing? Are you a wing? Are you a drums or flats guy? I'm a drums guy. Flats are okay. Well, the way I'm making flats, I prefer them better. Like I don't like the, 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 the vestigial wing bit that gets stuck on some of them. Like, you know, the, the tip, like the actual, I don't know, the edge of the wing, you know what I'm talking about when you get some of the flats, mm -hmm. like, I don't, I think flats when you get them at like a, a B-dub threes or whatever, like they feel so small. Like, I don't think there's a lot of meat on them. So I think they're not worth the work. 
Um, but the flats have been making it, but okay. And also I tend to cut them a little short. So all you gotta do is grab the two bones and split it open and it's real easy to open. Um, so those are better, but I prefer drums. Yeah, I, I'm actually with you and I've been told by many a people that I'm crazy because of it, but I'm just like, do you get more on the drum? And it's It's easier to get to. I'm all about convenience, frankly. So, but yeah, I've been, I've been taking them. So here, just hear me out, taking them uh, a little bit of oil. Uh, lemon pepper and then some garlic and it's, they're amazing. So, and I've made some, I've made some barbecue wings also, but, uh, it's almost like a dry rub and they just cook them amazingly and they reheat really well too. So I've been, been enjoying that because it's a good, it's a good, easy way to get protein without like completely killing yourself with fried foods. Can you eat cold chicken? I'm just curious. I mean, I mean, as a human being, yeah, I would, I, I'm, I suppose I could, um, <laughs> Are you somebody who who typically reheats it? We'll put it that I, way. I like well, I, I mean, I don't really like reheating. Like, I have a problem with like, um, like chicken and like turkey. Turkey reheated to me is always weird. Uh, but again, uh, I will I will sing the praises of the air fryer. I reheated these wings up in the air fryer, and did they come out like as, as crispy as they were? No, but they reheated really well. Okay, all right. I was just curious because I can. I mean. There are very few things that I probably prefer, like warm. But like I, I can. What are, you, yeah, what are, you, I mean, are you a mogwai? Like at midnight, and <laughs> seeing like cold chicken wings. I could do that though. I I made uh, uh oddly enough I made chicken, but I made easy uh, shake and bake. I don't know why I said easy bake, but shake and bake uh, chicken. And I ate the leftovers because I'm married to a vegetarian, so my wife has no interest in it. You can't just do like two pieces of chicken. Like, yeah, there's no point. Uh, so I was like, I made a bunch of chicken on Monday and I ate it Monday night, uh, and, uh, Tuesday. And, uh, I had some for lunch today, so I finished it off, but I, I'll just eat it cold. I, I don't even bother. Well, so like, it, so not that, <laughs> well, welcome to invasion of the podcast people where we talk about food a lot. Uh, if, I ask if, the important questions, the important people. questions, right. The breaking, like the breaking news, like I, um, if the, you get like the, the chicken in the can, like tuna and you mix it up with some like, you know, mayo, I'm fine with that. I'm just saying like, if you had like an actual, like half of a chicken, like you got from like a Boston market, I don't know, man. Like I just, that, that I have a hard time with that. Yeah. See, I can eat that cold. I can eat like McDonald's nuggets cold. Like oh, okay. the next day, if I had to, I'll just, so. I'll just mail you all my leftovers. And then by the time they come to you, they'll be cold and you'll be like, Oh good. It's cold and gamey. Perfect. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know if it's a laziness thing or what it is. Some things, I mean, I, I, like when it comes to pizza, most of the time, like, yeah, when I get pizza, it's good. And when it's nice and hot, ah, cold but pizza, I can deal with, I, you know, I'd prefer reheated, but it's not cold even pizza, deal with. sometimes yeah. I prefer cold pizza. Oh, Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. it depends, depends upon the pizza too, for me. Like if there's an, like, sometimes like we get like the little Caesars, not little, yeah, little Caesars where there's really nothing going to begin with that. That's basically eating cardboard and you have to reheat it, you know? But like, if you actually have decent amount of toppings, I'm fine with that. Yeah. See, I, I could eat that cold. I, I'll, <laughs> one of my favorite dishes that, uh, I make, uh, is uh, lasagna and I could eat, I can eat lasagna for days. No, cold. not cold. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, You're learning here. things about me. See, this is why we have these discussions. <laughs> ugh, ugh, I just, no, I can't do No, nope, nope. I'm going to nope out of that. So anyway, um, yeah, so uh, Butcher Knife, Jason Mask, uh, whatever. So next thing I want to mention here is uh, I ended up watching um, uh, Saint Maud a couple nights ago. I, I, have you heard of this film or, or no? 
Okay, did you say Satan and no, Maud? Saint like Maud. Oh, okay. No, I've not heard of this film, clearly. <laughs> I was just trying to make sure that it wasn't Satan and Maud. No, so. when, when, Mary, when my wife asked me, was like, Saint Maud, what is that? I was like, well, you know, it's based upon the original B. Arthur uh, comedy in the 70s. No, uh, it is a film that was actually did the festival circuit last year, but then was going to get um, theatrical release by A24, but it was pushed back because of COVID, and now it's been released uh, I guess theatrically, but also through epics. Um, at epics, you can do like a free seven day trial through Amazon uh, for it, so you can check that out. It is, um, it's, it's like it's an A twenty four horror film. It's, you know, if you prefer some of their releases, which they've released, Hereditary, um, you know, Midsummer, um, the Lodge, I think was one of them as well. Um, the film is it's uh, this this girl, younger girl, who is a end of life caretaker. Uh, or caregiver uh, for this, this woman who is uh stage four cancer, like living in like this, like tiny um, like town in like France or whatever. She's living her last day. She was like this famous New York choreographer. But so the nurse that's like you know, her end of life nurse is a recent convert and is convinced that like God is all around her and that she believes it's her mission to save this woman's soul before she passes. Uh, and then the, the whole movie kind of walks this line of like, is God talking to this girl or is there something else going on? Um, it is, uh, it's, it's a, it's the first time film by this uh, lady named Rose glass, who's the writer and director. She's done some shorts, some, some horror shorts. Um, I'll say this, it's getting, it's getting some buzz for people saying it's like the first good creepy film of 2021. I'd agree with that. Uh, I liked it. I'm not saying I'm knocked on my ass by it. The last, like, three minutes of the film finally give you like that punch in the gut, which is good. I'm not saying that like I needed to have like, I don't know, like something, but it, it finally gives you like that, like, Oh no type of like moment at the end. Um, but it's worth watching. It's just that I don't know if I'm over the moon with it. Like other people have been in terms of like the things I've been reading. Um, but it's definitely worth checking out and I need more, I need more women, uh, filmmakers making horror. I need more different voices because this film has a very steady, confident hand throughout. And you, you never once doubt that, the, that uh, Rose glass is not trying to take you through what she wants to show you. And there's a comfort in the confidence. I'm just not saying that I necessarily, um, I don't know, like it's okay to like a movie, but not be in love with it. And I like this movie a great deal. Yeah. There, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with seeing something and being like, uh, it's, it's really well done. Uh, I understand why people like it. It's just not my cup of tea, something along those lines. Like I, I run into that from time to time where I'm like, I can see why people like this. It just wasn't for me or it didn't connect with me in the way that it does with other people. But that's, that's great too. Like, you know, you brought up midsummer and hereditary. Like I like midsummer. I loved hereditary, but that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm poo pooing midsummer, if you will. Yeah. So no, and, and, and like, th this is not me like giving it like a backhanded, like compliment. It's like, it's a film worth watching. I'm just, what my, my statement isn't like when, when people are like, this is like the, like the first real scary movie, 2021. I'm like, well, maybe because maybe the, re the, the release schedule hasn't been that great. And it's also February. So maybe that's an accurate statement. I don't know. Um, 
uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's an interesting movie. I think it's a movie worth your time. It's just, I don't like that kind of like stark praise given to something because then maybe for me inadvertently, my bar is already raised for a first time filmmaker. And I don't, that should not, I guess it's on me because my expectations were just a smidge higher. Um, I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy what I watched cause it was good. It's just, I don't know, but there's, there's a line between being, I like that versus, Oh my God. I think there's a, I think there's a pretty big, there's a margin there. Right. And, um, I think it's worth time if you have guys have any interest in like really well done horror. Well, I just, I don't even know if this movie's a horror film. I'll even put it that way. Like there's horrific things that happen at times, but it's much more of like just a character thing of this girl. Um, the, then the, the, the main, the main uh, actress, her name is, uh, Morfred Clark. Uh, I think she's Welsh. Um, she's really, really good in this. Uh, and just kind of seeing her, her, um, experience. It's like, it's, it's trippy, but it definitely, um, like I said, last three minutes, you know, stick around. Cause the, the very last shot is, is, is very haunting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, we won't get into a semantics discussion about like what's horror and what isn't. I think we both fall in the same place of like, it's all horror. It's fine. Like, you, you know, it doesn't, there doesn't have to be a dividing line between what is and what isn't. That's uh, fair. I, I guess my thing is like, um, oh, I'm trying to think like, like, you know, have you, have you like not the same movie at all, but have you used, did you see one hour photo, the one with Robin Williams being the creepy guy stalking the family? Yeah. Would you consider that a horror film? Uh, that's, I, I don't know that I would say, I don't consider it a horror film, but I don't know that I do either. I mean, it's definitely a thriller. It's, it's it, definitely a drama. And, but it makes you uncomfortable and anxious for what's going to happen next in a lot of ways a horror film would. I would that's what I would feel about that film. Yeah, but if somebody said – I guess the point that I'm making is, is that I think sometimes people make too much out of these distinctions where if, if somebody's like, oh, it was a good horror film and somebody just takes umbrage with it like you're crazy for calling it a horror film, I think that's, that's problematic. That's, that's where – you know. No, that, that, that's valid. I mean, I'm not saying that like, like, I think a film, I think if somebody has a vision, they want to fulfill it. Like it, like genre is what you attach to something after people come to a consensus. Right. Yeah. Well, um, well that's probably like, one of the most prolific things I've ever said in my life. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so if this, like whatever, whatever Rose Glass is setting out doing, if people want to label it a horror film, I guess they can, but, and maybe she does too. I don't know. I haven't read anything about her, but the same thing with like, uh, um, uh, was it Ari, um, Oh, the guy who directed Hereditary and um, Midsummer. Ari Aster. Ari Aster. He he's very cagey about it sometimes. It's like bullshit. Hereditary is a horror film. Don't don't tell me it's not. But like he says, Midsummer's a breakup film, and it's like, yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> you know, like, but I, mean, I guess it's up to like what people decide it is. But I don't know. Like Saint Maud, interesting. Well, Shaun of the Dead's a comedy. It's also a horror movie. It's a horror comedy, and it's a hybrid, obviously. But, like, I don't know. I, I It's one of the better romantic comedies of the last 20 years. I'll say that. But I don't know if a romantic comedy purist is going to argue that point with me. <laughs> Fair enough. So, yeah, I, I thought you had heard of uh, St. Maud. Uh, but... I'm getting old. I, everything's passing me by. I, well, I don't know. What's whatever. Happening. I mean, you know, uh, so... It, it's it's worth the time. I'd say if, if you didn't, if you've not uh, used your free trial for epics, that's uh, through Amazon Prime. 
uh, maybe you know maybe do that. There's some other things that Epix has too, but this is like one of the first times that they've actually tried to do a um, like co-release in terms of like a theatrical and like a direct streaming thing. Um, yeah, whatever. Um, I, for me, it's like I uh, we already had Amazon Prime. I signed up for the free trial. Set a reminder in a phone to cancel it in a few days. If there's anything else worth watching on there, I'll check out. But definitely wanted to see this and see you know what it was about and a decent movie. Like I said, I liked it. There's definitely some creepy imagery there. Um, uh, so if you guys, if you like, this is a completely different discussion for a different episode. And I know you and I feel the same thing about it. I am, I am tired of the, the term elevated horror. I'm tired of that, but it's being slapped on this too, where it's like, it's horror, but you know, for like smart people, like bullshit, like watch a movie, feel how you feel about it. Yeah, I, I agree. I I don't like the term. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I I don't like the fact that there's these subdivisions in which people you know build their entire like preferences on. Uh, I was actually looking through my letterboxed uh, earlier today, and I was just looking at some of the the star ratings I gave some movies, and I'm like thinking about some of them, and I'm like, you know what? This clearly was just me picking a you know a one to five star review based on the time that I was how I was feeling at the time because I'm looking at other movies that I rated the same way and I'm like well I don't know if it's the same as that film or this film like I I, I guess what I'm saying is is that I think that uh, you know uh, that's uh, that's gonna come off as generalization but the point that I'm, I'm trying to make is is that movies hit people in different ways and a lot of it also has to do with the maybe the mood they're in when they watch them, but like yeah, that's fair. Making those distinctions gets problematic. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. So, all right. Anyway, so that was my weekend. Was buying a butcher knife, um, feeling very satisfied with uh, chopping of things, and then watching uh, Saint Maud. So there you go. Um, anything else? Uh, you no. You said you had something you wanted to mention to me that uh, you, you uh, before we get into news. So I'll, I'll start off by saying this. I, I realized recently that I am not as cool as I thought I was. Uh, and I don't mean that in the sense of like, uh, I don't mean like cool, cool, but like I've never really thought of language as a barrier uh, when I was watching movies, like swearing and, and, you know, violence and nudity aren't things that will initially turn me off to a movie. Now, granted, if it's a movie where it's just like nothing but, you know, uh, and it's unfair for me to say this because I haven't seen it, but Hostel. I haven't seen Hostel because I just don't think it's going to be my bag. We'll put it that way. Um, but when it comes to language, I guess, is because I'm going off on a tangent. When it comes to language, I've never really thought of it as something that would be a bar for entry for me. Okay. Like, for instance, with Rob Zombie's Halloween, I know a lot of people's turn off with that is the language in it. Among other things, but like that's one of the pieces that like, and it doesn't bother me. They're, they only uh, use seven words the entire film. I don't why I understand why it's a barrier <laughs> for entry. But I uh, I sat down because I'd read a, a pretty positive review of uh, the DC animated Harley Quinn adult series. I guess, although they make no distinction on the hub for that uh, on <laughs> HBO Max, which I'm wondering how many like parents are like, oh yeah, watch your little Harley Quinn show. But hey, I watched the first episode straight from the rip. That's like, it is. Nope. <laughs> it yeah. is not for kids. Yeah. There's probably four F bombs dropped in the first, like three minutes. And yeah. I'm like, wow. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. And 
it, it caught me off guard. Now, what I will say is, is that I watched all the first season. There are things in it that I really like and things that I think that really work and are really funny. Like, for instance, the version of Bane in it has the Tom Hardy voice. And, like, everything he talks about is just about blowing things up. Like, he gets mad at a coffee machine, and he's trying to make coffee. He's like, I'll blow up this coffee machine. <laughs> like, it's funny jokes like that. And, like, Jim Gordon is, like, upset because Batman doesn't want to be his friend. And there's some really funny it, stuff Isn't Is Ron Funches King Shark, or is he somebody else? Uh, you know what? I, I, I don't know who that is. I will say that King Shark is hilarious in the show. Okay. If it's, I think it's Rod Funches, which I adore him. So I need to get more into the series because of him, but go ahead, please. Yeah. It, it's just that, uh, there are times where I felt the language undercut what were really funny jokes where I'm like, I blame this. And, and uh, I don't want to get into this cause it's, it's not a discussion about Deadpool either, but I feel like Deadpool set a tone where people are like, it can't be funny unless it's super raunchy. And I'm like, that's not really, it doesn't have to be that way. Like it doesn't, you can have it in there. Like I think it works best as an accent sometimes, or if it's, you know, and again, as somebody who, who loves Kevin Smith stuff, I have no right to make this argument. But at the same time, I, I feel like, people will just automatically think that it's funnier because there's cursing there. Yeah, um, that's fair. And, and uh, Ron Funch is, is King shark by the way, but like, um, yeah, you're right. Like, um, and I'm, I'm cutting you off. I apologize. I, I, I let's go back to our discussion about psycho Gorman. There really isn't any language in that movie. Like it's all like over the top, ridiculous violence, but they could have easily like just had a bunch of swearing. Like, um, but that didn't add anything to what was going on. And the movie was just funny, like regardless without swearing. Yeah. And, and there's a plot line around using the C word. But what I think is interesting is, is they never say it. They just say the C word. And I'm like, well, where's your line? Yeah. Like, is that your line? And there's no nudity in it. If you're trying to be adult, I'm not saying like, Oh, there should be animated nudity, but like, it just feels like this weird place where it, it, it's trying to be, adult humor and it is there's some really funny stuff in it but i it took me a while to get around i think it was probably by the fourth episode that i finally relaxed a little bit about it but there were times where i was like wow they're really kind of undercutting themselves by the swearing like this is a funny enough joke on its own you don't need the swearing to yeah, get it there. and i think something like um like rick and morty which i know you've watched a little bit of and they're swearing in that but it's like they've it's, 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 I think swearing like anything, it's like, um, uh, here, I'll bring it back to the cooking analogy. Like you got your recipe and you got your ingredients. If you add too much of one thing, it's going to ruin everything, right? Like if you already have a good enough, like base, you don't need to like, just add swears to hold people's attention. Like, I know we swear a little bit on this show, but it's like, um, it, you can, you could still have fun and, make some like absolutely terrible jokes, but you don't have to use the same seven words to do it. Yeah. And look, I'm not going to say that I'm you know, I'm a saint and I don't swear in real life. I do. I don't have so much problem with them using the language as I do have them using it as an, an, a punctuation for things sometimes. And it just, it, it felt weird and off kilter. Like enough. I think one might've been fine, but when it's like four within the first three minutes, I'm like, wow, you guys are really trying to make it as, as dull as possible. And I've actually seen this with their um, their 
video release, or I always want to say video releases. They're not that anymore. They're on-demand releases, uh, what ones for DVDs, um, with their animated films. You know, uh, I don't think there's any in, say, uh, New Frontier, but I, I, I believe... They use it uh, a couple of swear words in Batman Year One, and I'm like, ah, it just feels weird here. And I, I don't know. I, yeah, that's fair. No, that, that's absolutely fair. Um, so, yeah, I, I can agree with that. Like it was, like I said, I watched the first episode of Harley Quinn. Uh, it was, you know, I I didn't mind. Um, I didn't mind the characterizations of like her and the Joker and uh, Poison Ivy is like being like a best friend. I need to get more into all the characterizations and maybe like like you once I kind of get past that barrier, just kind of sink into what they're trying to do. Maybe I'll get over that. But sometimes I don't like the shock for shock's sake. And I feel like that's kind of what that language is being used. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there are funny ideas in it. There's a, a subplot about, uh, uh, poison Ivy dating kite man who kite man is a low rent villain. Like he's, he's a Z list villain. And it's, there's some really funny gags that come out of that. Uh, they've got Diedrich Bader doing Batman. So, you know, he's really great uh, doing that as well. And I just, you know, I, I, and I, I, there's part of me, I'm like, well, is it because it's an animated show? Is that why I'm having a problem with it? And ultimately where I came out was no, it's not just the format. It's, it's the way they're doing it. And uh, hopefully it's, it's lightens up at least somewhat on, on it by the time I get into the second season. I don't know yet. Um, but that's just one man's opinion. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for our, our weekend talk. Um, but Hey guys, did you know that, um, that we just got done talking about Batman, but guess what? Here's coming more Batmans. Good news, everyone. I like that because there's not Star Wars movies coming out and like anytime soon, it just shifted to Batman talk on this show. <laughs> uh, <I think>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, okay. So this story here uh, is it actually, um, it, it came out recently where there is going to be um, uh, two, two series that are going to be based in the Batman 89 universe and Superman 78 universe, uh, which is funny because we had just talked about Batman returns and Steve had told me after he got on recording, he's like, shit, there was a proposal that I didn't get to talk about that happened a few years ago. So Steve, tell us about this and why you're excited for what's coming. Yeah. So what's interesting is, is that DC is going to be doing, uh, a new series based on both the 1978 Richard Donner Superman and uh, 1989's Tim Burton Batman film, uh, and they're going to be continuing. I'm assuming, I'm, I'm assuming that 78 is going to pick up probably after Superman 2. I, I maybe they'll include Superman 3 and Quest for Peace, but I feel like if you're looking at it just from the Richard Donner touch, those are the two that he was involved with. Um, and then Batman 89, obviously Batman Returns, they'll probably incorporate that, but I'm going to guess it's going to cut off before they get to say Batman forever. Uh, what's interesting about that is, is the gentleman who did the artwork for that pitch that I was going to mention on the Batman return show, uh, is, uh, Joe Quinones. And I apologize if I just slaughtered his name, but, I, I think uh, it's Joe, I think, I think you got that. part right. <laughs> yeah, I got Joe, right. Uh, he was the artist who did that pitch. So it's nice to see that he's going to be doing the actual series. Um, and it's written by Rob Vendetti, who I'm not familiar with his work. Oh, I'm sorry. No, let me step back. 
the Batman 89 book is going to be written by Sam Hamm, who uh, was one of the writers. He he essentially was the writer that, well, you know. <sighs> we talked a little bit about it for, yeah. like, yeah, during our, our Batman <laughs> Returns episode. You're right. Yeah. There are a couple of hands in the pot of Batman 89, but he's the main writer. A and couple, I, a couple I, of hams, a couple of same hams in the pot. Yes. Yeah. I, I sometimes get into semantics, and this is where I have trouble talking sometimes on a podcast. Not always good because I slow things down. So with that, uh, you've got uh, Robert Vendetti, who's going to be writing the the Superman 78 book. Uh, Both of these are great ideas. The only thing that bothers me about it is, is that, and I know DC's moving this way, is that they're going to be digital first books that are going to release weekly in like eight page chapters. I don't like paying 99 cents every week to get that fix. I want like a complete issue each time. And that's me, because I was raised old school. There's probably a lot of people who that's perfect for them, but I'm like, I want an issue at a time. So uh, is, this, is this not going to be part of the um, at whatever the, the, the digital platform that they have with um, that was DC online or whatever it was like that was their big the whole big multi platform thing with like shows like Harley Quinn, all that that was together. But then it got broken up. Like, are these going to be free to read with like the DC Comics platform or do you have to buy no. them separate? I think you're going to have to buy them separate. I could be wrong. Maybe they're going to release them on there. But the way it read to me was was that it was going to be um, primarily a comicsology thing. Oh, and uh, well, I feel like that you could have shined a light on this and could have made it like a uh, like a feature for that. Maybe charge people have comicsology and they want to like you know do it that way. It's fine. But if you're trying to build like like a fan base for your now DC specific comic service. I don't know. This feels like this would be like one of those exclusives. That'd be kind of great to tease that out. Right. And I, I can't say definitively because I don't know, maybe they are doing that and I'm unaware, but it's going to be, uh, I'm showing 12 chapters of each new series. will also publish at six printed comics between August and October. So it's like, they'll get print editions that are full issues. Um, but they, are going to break it down into weekly chapters, which again, you know, as somebody who tried to do a web comic at just a page a week, and it was like, this should hopefully get people interested and find out that it didn't. Um, Hey, I I don't, I was interested. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's fair, but, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe this serialized format is what people prefer. Now. I, I just wish it was, you know, here's issue one, here's issue two, as opposed to the smaller bites. Well, okay. So then with that being said, which I would agree with that, I, I feel like in this case, I'd want to, like, if it was released weekly, like, like they're saying, like however many pages a week, um, I'd probably like backlog a lot and then kind of burn through it. But you said it's about 99 cents for like per number of pages, but that would average out to the cost of like one issue though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they're doing 24 page issues, you're going to get, you know, $3 worth is going to equal one Okay. So at least so, it isn't like they're at least, it's not like they're slicing it up smaller and then charging you more per segment. At least that would have felt even like more shitty. Right. Like, but so here's something that I'll reveal about me. Um, I don't buy anything new on comiXology. I buy everything when it's on sale. I thought you were going to say, I, I buy all my digital comics you used, meaning that they're no. read by somebody else returned digitally. And then I buy them used. <laughs> No, I, 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 and this will come into play when we talk about our main feature, but I wait until things are on sale or I wait until, uh, they pop up in my feed that they're on sale, that kind of thing. Um, 
I I have trouble going. I can get a physical printed copy for the same price as the digital. Uh, I'm going to pay less for the digital. And I know that's also a collector mentality. And that's also somebody who has, you know, read comics all his life and is so used to getting them in one format that I have issues adapting. But I'm like, if I'm not paying for paper, I don't want to pay the same price. I I I think you're awful saying. No, no, no. I think you're absolutely right. Same thing with like me with like video games, even though sometimes I'm an idiot. I was like, if you're going to charge me $60 for a digital download when that's the same cost as like a physical copy, like I will, I will tend to wait until it drops in price because I'm like, inherently the moment I buy the physical copy, which I will own, it's going to drop in value anyway. So why are you going to charge me full price for the, without the physical process in case, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I will agree with you on that. Like it's not a collector mentality for me. It's more like you're, there is more cost involved giving me the physical version of something. I will pay a premium for that. Don't charge me the same, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm not somebody who's, you know, pirating or, stealing or whatever like because there are sites that you can do that with comics as well i have no problem with paying for my digital copies i just can't get myself to a place where i'm paying the same price for something digitally as i am for a physical copy no i I think i I think that's valid so but okay so let's rewind this back to smidge so the the batman and superman thing this is also based upon there was a it was the batman 66 stuff right so that was the first Mm -hmm. one to do this and they had success because that was set in the universe of the TV show. Um, and clearly people have enjoyed that. I know they've done some, uh, you know, animated movies with that as well. Um, do you like this trend of them? Like uh, maybe I don't Marvel really probably won't find anything like, Hey, you know what? What about the captain America TV movie timeline? Let's just uh, make more comics about that. <laughs> um, I think, no, I think this is kind of a way to, Give give people like a what if and still have some fun to see where things could have could have went and still tell some cool stories. And I, I think that's exciting. Yeah, and to be fair, they have also done it with more recent properties. I believe either in its last year or right when it ended, they were like, Hey, we're gonna continue Smallville, but in comics. So I don't know how long that ran for, but I do believe there's at least a couple of years where Smallville continued, but in comic form. Um, and, and even Buffy, like they did like what they call their seasons. It was like after the show ended, they would do comics runs. Yeah. And, uh, I'm trying to think, I, I feel like they may have done specials for like green arrow and possibly flash and the current CW verse. Well, but, uh, but so. I still think these are different because those things were created uh, concurrently with something ending. This is something that's existing. That's showing up like 30, 40 years after the property. That's what I'm saying is different about this. I think this is interesting. Like it would be like, um, Oh, I don't know. I'm just, I I think it's kind of fun for them to actually take these like six, like people, you know, people hold up these, both these franchises for these films when they came out and been like, yes, I want to see, uh, Christopher, uh, you know, Reeve, Reeves, Reeve, Reeves, uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, Reeve, uh, there's the two Reeves. Um, I want to see more of him before he hangs out with Richard Pryor. Why not? You know, <laughs> yeah, and maybe they'll include Superman three and four in the canon. I don't know, but I, <laughs> Superman seventy eight makes me think that they're going to stick to what yes, genre. I would, I would with. agree with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, they've also made also, it a point to say that they're uh, that the the, the Batman United is going to deal with like Batman and Batman Returns, and then they'll never speak of the other two. <laughs> <laughs> I I think there's fun to be had. No, I'm I'm okay. I, 
I don't know. I don't mind this. I, I think that, uh, I mean, obviously these, these two are like my foundation for comic book movies. So of course I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, but I think it's a fun idea. And I actually, when I saw that pitch from a few years ago, I was like, why didn't they do this? This is a great idea. So I'm glad that they're getting on board with it. I'm glad that they're, they're going to do this. Uh, you know, and whether I, who knows? Maybe when it comes out, I'm gonna be like uh, looking at my comicsology. I'm like, well, I guess 99 cents per chapter isn't too bad. Maybe I'll come around. I guess knows, I'll just wait but... till it's 74 cents a chapter. Like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm hoping to see uh, these be successful, and I hope that they're fun. So, is there another comic book movie out there that you'd want to see a continuation like this? Like... I don't know if it's a comic book movie, and I think it's just because I have masters of the universe on the brain, but I would love to see like, you know, we all know that the 1987 masters of the universe ends with Skeletor saying, I'll be back. Oh, that'd be fun. Dude. That'd be a lot of fun. You're right. That'd be great. Like, would there just be great if someone created like a canons, like Canon comics, like thing where it's like, Hey, you know, uh, there's no budget when you just like, well, there's budgets making books, but it'd been like, here's what Canon had planned. Like, <laughs> like the monster that ate Cleveland. Like what if they had all the Canon films that were announced that never gotten put in production? I would love to see comics of all those. That would be amazing. Like, I mean, uh, I think there was a Chuck Bronson as the Gollum. Wasn't there? <laughs> <laughs> there was the Bridget Nielsen, she um, Hulk movie that never got made. Just oh, whatever the, the script was. Just like take the the Spider-Man one that they were supposed to make at that time too. Come on, make that yeah. into a comic, please. Yeah, there's all kinds of fun ideas they could they could do. So I, I, I I'm all for this. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. So, all right. Um, next story is also comic related. Uh, so that's that's exciting. Uh, Todd McFarlane is ready to spawn his own comic book universe. So Todd McFarlane recently announced that he's going to have three more uh, books coming out in his Spawn universe. Um, and I, I'll give you the titles and like the, the, what they're supposed to be. And then Stephen, I, you said you had things you wanted to toss out here. Uh, what's they're going to be called the scorched gunslinger spawn and King spawn. The scorched is said to be a spawn verse version of a team book. Uh, gunslinger spawn will follow the adventures of fan favorite hell spawn from the old West. Um, and then King spawn, which is going to be a second Al Simmons book. So, uh, how do you feel about this? So I don't, I don't ever want to say that I, I doubt Todd McFarlane because he's proven me wrong on a lot of occasions. Uh, I don't know that I would have ever predicted that he'd do a Kickstarter that did three and a half million dollars for a Spawn figure because I just it never occurred to me that he could kickstart a figure like or why he would need to. But he did. And he made a bunch of money off of it. Uh, he's gotten people to work for him that you're like, wow, really? He got. You know, and I'm not a huge J. Scott fan, Campbell fan, but I like his work enough to be like, take notice when I saw that he did Terriers for Spawn 300. Um, he's a guy who seems to have like this magic that he works. Like he he built a toy business. He and again, the 1998 Spawn movie is not great. But what if they did a continuation made, comic of that? <laughs> well, there you go. But he, he made that happen. He made uh, an animated series happen. He's he's done stuff where I'm like, wow, I would have never thought to have tried that or that it would work, but he pulled it off. So when I jump into my next comment, I just want to say here that like I'm probably wrong, but I don't know that... This doesn't seem like a universe to me. This seems like 
I guess when I think of a shared universe, I think of different characters populating that universe and giving you a different flavor. This just feels like when, uh, you know, they make toys, they're like, well, we've made Spawn, we've made medieval Spawn, what else do we got? Well, let's make him a gunslinger. How about one that's an astronaut? I mean, uh, I'm making that part up. but Master Chef Spawn. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it very much feels like... PGA Tour Spawn. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it feels very much in line with just... I don't want to say knockoffs because that's unfair, but it, it I don't know that it feels like it's building a universe. Like he's already got a universe. He had uh, years of, of Sam and Twitch comics. Like those are characters who were in those books who got their own series at one point. He's done the different versions of Spawn in different time periods. He's done Violator. I assume that this was going to be like someone else who was going to be in the Spawn universe who isn't Spawn. Like. I guess when I thought it was going to be a, a universe, I thought, oh, like a McFarlane universe, not a Spawn-centric universe. And that was what surprised me. Uh, but the names that are attached to this thing, like, there's huge names attached. So, like, he clearly has something big planned. And I'll probably be, you know, uh, what's the word? I'm eating crow, I guess, might be the best way of putting it. Yeah, eating uh, the, the Spawn crow figure. No, uh, no. Um, yeah, I just, I agree with you. It's just like when you, when you announce a team book, cool. Like then that maybe you bring in other people that like when we, you and I talked about issue 300 on the show, uh, you could tell that this was like, like putting the seeds of like, well, everybody's a spawn now, you know, it's like, great. What's that mean? Um, but yeah, it's like, uh, it would just be, it would be like, Hey, Marvel's like, we're going to split off and just have a whole venom verse everything's a goopy symbiote. Have fun with that. It's like, yeah, I guess that's cool for a bit, but can I have something else? The way he's talking about it though, is that it's supposed to seem like it's supposed to expand the spawn universe. And I guess maybe I'm, I'm looking at the word universe and not the word spawn. I just, I don't know. I, I, is, is the market big enough to sustain four books about spawn? I guess we're going to find out, you know, yeah, I guess I just, I mean, like it took him 30 years, right? You mentioned Sam and Twitch was, which was good to, to mention, right? Uh, which, um, the, so there's been other, other things that have happened and have spawned off of this, right? No pun intended. Um, so yeah, if, if he feels it's the time to expand, um, the storytelling or whatever, that's fine. But it's like, you know, it, it also feels kind of, <sighs> image was born out of everybody like having these ideas that they wanted to do their own thing and kind of tell their own stories. And I know that there was a lot of like, um, I know, um, uh, life felt like was pretty quick to be like, what about this guy? I don't know. He's red. Well, he has his own book now, you know, whatever, but, um, you know, no feet, but he's red. Uh, um, but I feel like that was kind of birthed in the notion of everybody gets to like make all these different things. And then McFarlane being like, it's going to be a spawn universe. With that guy that you know, Spawn, that doesn't seem exciting to me. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know that. Uh, and again, I, he'll probably prove me wrong. It'll be the biggest thing, and we'll all be talking about how great the Spawn universe is in a year from now. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll be wrong. I mean, I will say that the thing that I th that really, from our discussion about Spawn 300, that really stuck with me was, was like, 
wow, the writing really hasn't moved past what it was 20 years ago when I was still reading it. It it, it still had a not incoherent feeling to it, but it... it <laughs> Look, McFarland's strong in a lot of things. Writing is not one of his strong suits. I, I hate to say that, and, you know, who am I? He's, he's sold millions upon millions of comics. Well, It's just not his strong suit. We, like, know, we know where the Science Slasher 300 is going. If you guys go back and listen to that episode, we know. We've plotted it out. So Steve's going to get there. I think he might be better off doing a – how do I put this uh, – I don't want to use this uh, to say like I'm putting down Stan Lee, but I, I think one of Stan Lee's strengths was is that he had ideas, he wrote things down, but then he let the people that he worked with really sort of make those things flourish. And then he went in and, you know, either dialogued over them or, or you know, worked with the artist to come up with something. Whereas this feels like the artist, like McFarland's like, well, you're going to do gunslinger spawn and uh here it is and he is taking a, a seat a back seat with it he does say that you know he's like i can't write all of this he's like I, I i can barely like maintain all the different duties i have now so he is at least taking a, a back seat in that regard but i kind of feel like the smarter move would have been like here's what you got i need other characters who are in the spawn universe who aren't spawn i'll work with you on whatever your ideas are we'll publish them make them this thing, but maybe that's also him holding on to his creative own stuff too. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I just, it doesn't sound like a universe to me. It just sounds like, you know, a space suit spawn and, and, <laughs> you know, uh, hibachi spawn, uh, midlife crisis spawn, you know, like, right. it's like, Hey guys, I just used my cloak here to make this really cool sports car. You guys like me now? No. Like, it'd be like you'd be like Eric Larson be like, hey guys, do you want a Savage Dragon universe? Boy, do I have plans for you. You know, like <laughs> Well, you know, I mean with with Dragon at least, he has like done I, I think there was a Freak Force, which unfortunately I didn't read. There's Super Patriot. He's done things in that vein, yes. but they're not all like, you know, Savage Dragon uh Samurai. Savage or, Dragon you know? Academy, Savage yeah. Dragons, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so. with the Z. No, I just we'll see, right? Like, just we we both like. I know you. I know you um, love Tom McFarlane as a creator, like in terms of like he like his uh, his availability to show people what he's doing. Like his, he's a very open. Like we talked about, like his different like um, things he'll talk about creative wise, and uh, clearly um, his, some of his uh, his Spider Man stuff has like stuck with me. So. You know, important dude in our lives for different reasons. Um, and so I guess we just got to like just hope for the best, but this feels a little weird. So just throw it out there. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what the, the end result is. He's got stacked, so it's at least set up for success. I mean, yeah, the people that he has listed working on these books are huge. So we'll see. All right. So last story here. Uh, here's the headline. This is, uh, this is just from two days ago. A uh, hungry alligator steal Florida man's golf ball. Uh, a Florida golfer ended up finding an exception to the play it as it lies rule when an alligator grabbed his ball in its mouth and swam away. Uh, there's a video of this this alligator it just has the golf ball in its mouth and everybody's like like laughing. The guy's like, I'm not going towards that. He's like, I don't know if it thinks it's an egg, but the alligator just like took off. So um, I think that's pretty funny. Uh, Tuesday marks the 25th anniversary of uh, Happy Gilmore, by the way. Um, 
<laughs> so that feels pretty appropriate to me because uh, what was it? Um, oh, uh, it was uh, Chubbs Peterson lost his hand to a gator reaching in because there's a golf ball in it. So everybody used to, you got to like, thank goodness that that golfer did not reach for that golf ball because we all learned about Chubbs Peterson and what happened. <laughs> yeah. I, I, of the, uh, the Adam Sandler early films, I would say that uh, happy Gilmore is probably, I'm still probably more of a wedding singer slash Billy Madison guy. But uh, uh, Happy Gilmore is is right up there, and uh, I think that uh, the magic of that being Carl Weathers is what makes that work for me. <laughs> yes, I, I, I just Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. I could I could watch those movies on a loop. I just I don't know what it is like the right place, right time for me. But I just have it's like really that happened the same week as the 25th anniversary of that <laughs> film. Uh, that seems the very- promotional. Uh- uh, you know, synergy that was coming from uh, the universe, apparently. Yeah, and so evidently, uh, Sandler got on Twitter and posted uh, a video of him uh, doing his like long drive, like how he would do like the hockey wind up for his long drive, and he's like, he's like, I haven't done this in twenty years, and just like he nails it, and he <laughs> runs up, he runs up to the camera, and he was like, he's like, he's like, take that shooter, and he just like, starts like talking <laughs> shooter McGavin. <laughs> And um, Christian McDonald like replied with a video of him like taunting uh, Happy Gilmore, so that was a lot of fun. I just like, I guess it, it isn't so much a story as in just like a thing I wanted to mention, but because I love Happy Gilmore, I think that movie's wonderful. I think it's it's a fun movie. Bob Barker gets a wonderful turn as being you know uh, pushed until he gets into a fist fight. <laughs> With with uh, Ab Sandler, um, and, and you also got uh, Richard Keel right as Mister Larson. Uh, you know, guns don't kill people. I do. I just I love that movie. And uh, you know, my favorite thing about the movie is uh, we're gonna get a Red Lobster afterwards. Like <laughs> yeah. I love. I don't know why the Red Lobster joke it makes me laugh every time, but the fact that he's so bent on going a Red Lobster just it gets me. Yes. So, all right. Um, yeah, that's, uh, was it Joe Flaherty? That's, uh, the guy yes. who's the, the fan, right? <laughs> he's always there. He's just like, <laughs> he's like, jackass. He just yells it real loud, but yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just a fun movie, 25th anniversary. And also if a alligator gets your golf ball, uh, consider that golf ball gone and just take, uh, take the stroke penalty. That's what I got to say about that. I think that's fair. Yeah. Let it go. Uh, yeah. I mean, if it's golf, ping pong, whatever, there's an alligator that takes the, the object that dictates play. You let it have it, you know, like <laughs> the Super Bowl just happened in Tampa. If a gator got that ball, you let the, you let the ball go, you know? So, Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. If, uh, if, if a gator takes the football, you definitely let that thing go. <laughs> All right. So let's go do it for news. Um, now we're going to into our discussion about, uh, uh, Count Crowley, reluctant midnight monster hunter. Uh, and also just, uh, th- there's going to be, we'll throw a spoiler once we get there, but, uh, this is the first time I've ever heard of a comic book having a trailer. So we're going to, we're going to get to that and then we'll talk about the comic. And now for our feature presentation. It's Friday night. Lock your doors on the tight. Come down into the deadly lair. Frightening things are everywhere. Face your fears and gather near. The Dr. Fearless Show is here. Good evening, boils and (laughs) booze. Whatever you are. 
welcome to the friendly confines of the doctor's laboratory. <laughs> I'm so grateful you've braved the perils of the witching hour to join us for tonight's special presentation. <laughs> Where's the film? There's no film in here. What is this? There's a magazine in here. Oh, sorry, okay. <laughs> Mr. Mortimer has informed me that tonight's peculiar presentation will not in fact be a story told to celluloid, but rather it is the terrifying tale of a woman who discovers what we, the faithful, have always known that monsters are real. They walk among us and they manipulate the media with diabolical and menacing means. She may just save the world if she can stay sober long enough. She's Beloit, Missouri, KSKB-TV's very own Jerry Bartman. Count Crowley. Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter. <laughs> so tonight's special feature is uh, Count Crowley, Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter. Uh, this was a comic that uh, unfortunately didn't come on my radar until probably within the last four months, and I thought it was newer than it was, but uh, it's actually been around for almost uh, a year and some change. Uh, but uh, this is a Dark Horse produ produced book. Uh, it is written by actor David Desmulchin, who, if you are a Marvel fan, you'll know him from uh, the Ant-Man movies. If you're a DC fan, you'll know him from uh, The Dark Knight. Uh, if you're just somebody who... Uh, well, no, I'm trying to think of... He's got other credits, but those are the two big ones that are popping into my head. So uh, he's the writer of this and creator. Um, it's uh, drawn by uh, Lucas Ketter, I believe is his name. Um, and uh, it's a gorgeous to look at book. Um, and I, I, I will say this. I'm looking at the Amazon listing for it, and uh, it just says follow the author. And I'm like, why, why aren't the other people listed? So uh, shame on them, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but, uh, long story short, whereas I like to make it a short story long, uh, <laughs> the story is, uh, about a once rising TV journalist, Jerry Bartman, who has returned to her small Midwest hometown station. Uh, and she's been demoted to hosting the nightly creature feature. Uh, and Jerry's, uh, professional humiliation is eclipsed by the discovery that her new job also comes with a secret supernatural duty. And that's kind of where the first issue goes. Uh, I, I think there's a little bit more to it than that. It's actually a very uh, strong story about uh, not only broken people, but also addiction. And there's uh, fun monsters. So it's, it's a mix. Uh, you get uh, some of the sweet and some of the sour. Yeah, so I'm going to throw one of these out here right now. Do you know why they are called spoilers? So my goal tonight... Uh, aside from trying to be, you know, entertaining as all get out. That's that is always my goal, and, and I fail miserably every single time. Uh, is I want to talk about this this uh, four issue book that Steve brought to my attention because there is a lot of a lot of good to be had here. Um, 
I don't want to spoil it for people because um, with this being a smaller title and it being Dark Horse is, I mean, they're they're a known publishing house. They're a known distributor of comics, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but this was a four issue set that came out. Uh, you, you could tell by the ending that it was kind of like, it was trying to call it shot to be like, Hey guys, you know, the story is going to continue. Call your local dark horse person and say, Hey, I want more of this. This feels like this is, um, like, you know, when Netflix like gives like a green light to like a limited series, everyone's like, Oh, it ends with a cliffhanger. Do you want more? That's how I feel about this. Uh, with that being said, I don't want to spoil some of the fun in this because if, if you guys have any interest in comics, uh, any interest in, in monsters and, uh, this thing that does roll around liberally in genre on purpose, there's fun to be had here. So I don't want to give away specific plot points because, uh, especially like our, our, our main character, Jerry, when we kind of find out like her backstory that, not that that's fun, but she's had some shit happen to her. Um, also, I don't really appreciate that Cleveland's the epicenter for bad things happen to people, but whatever. Let's <laughs> go throw that out there. I was just happy for the mention. <laughs> You're like, Cleveland, woo! Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the setup, though, and this is, I guess this is supposed to be set in, like, the 80s, which, you know, whatever. Like, we've, we've been, um, it, you know, it... it we've been kind of in that point now where there's like this not, not Renaissance, but revival of things kind of set in that time. Uh, I do think that from a writing standpoint, that does give you um, a little bit more leeway to set up um, uh, bumpers to, to not have like technology solve everything. And it actually gives Jerry some agency as a reporter to show that she might be a bit of a wreck, but she still knows her shit. Right. And that's one of the things I like about this is that, yeah, she's definitely, uh, she is a bad person, but you do want to cheer for her, you know, because you find out why she has, why she is the way she is. She has no one to blame for herself, but you do like her, which I think that's a hard thing to pull off. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'd necessarily say that she's a bad person. I'd say that she's, uh, tortured, maybe too strong of a word, but I think she's, she's messed up. Um, she's oh, dealing yeah. with a lot of bad things and she doesn't, uh, she doesn't always her uh, put her best foot forward with most people. How about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, to some of her family, you could say that she's a bad person. Um, I guess that, when I heard you say that, I was like, oh, I don't know if I necessarily would say that, but I also write a comic about a female protagonist who's pretty messed up as well. Now, granted, uh, her backstory isn't as messed up as Jerry's is, and we won't go into that here, but, uh, but what's the proximity some... to your character to Cleveland? <laughs> well, I made sure to, to say that, uh, it's a, uh, a small Ohio town. Oh, I okay. wanted it to be an amalgamation of places that I, I sort of loved and lived in. Uh, so, um, we'll say that it's, uh, uh, somewhere's between Toledo and uh, Cleveland. Oh, okay, that? so it's Cleveland adjacent. I'm I'm kidding. I'm just yes. I'm joking. <laughs> but uh, I do. Cleveland think is that, the uh, true monster in both stories. Let's get. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that our, the two protagonists of both of both their story and of this story and my story are are close in a lot of ways. Um, I also feel like they, like they'd that. also That's... both shut down the bar and just terrify everybody else. Like if they got on a rip. 
Like they'd be, <laughs> they would be hard people to kick out of last call because they would not be done. I feel like yes. there's a very, like they would get along to a point. I feel like there's a very much kindred <laughs> spirit here. Uh, they would be uh, best friends like Harley and Poison Ivy. Uh, but joking aside, I'll just say that uh, it's it's the idea of it being a horror TV show host who hunts monsters or has to hunt monsters. That's a, that's an idea, but I I like the fact that it's reinforced by like, no, there's a real story behind this person. And I I think that that's, again, as somebody who's trying to do that in his own work, I think that that makes a difference. And I think it makes for some strong writing with throughout the four issues that we get. Yeah. So I was going to like, I was going to ask you about like, um, um, I think for me, the, the whole, the horror host thing, right. Is, is a fun hook, even though like when we see her in this character, um, like it's like the, the one time she does this because like, you know, she's at an end and you'll find out why when you read the book, um, her, um, her kind of undoing as a reporter at her home station that her parents owned is actually equal parts like heartbreaking, but also kind of great because she doesn't pull punches about how she gets fired. Cause she's mm-hmm. right. You know, like, and it also shows her also being problematic, but also like a good journalist, which that's also a hard thing to pull off of like, oh, you have a significant problem, but because of your problem, you found the underlying cause of something bigger to talk about, which is kind of an interesting take on it. But the horror host, like the idea that like, uh, that, um, you're hiding out in the open is really kind of fascinating idea to me that like, like uh, that she stumbles into something much bigger than, than what she's aware of that there's this bigger war going on uh, or conflict or however you want to phrase it uh, that a lot of it was in plain sight because you get to be a person that shows shitty monster movies on the weekend and have a set design of all these props that may or may not actually be functional. That's a really fun idea. And I dug that. I like that idea as well. And I think also just being a kid of the eighties, I think, you know, I've got a soft spot for horror hosts and while there wasn't really a gimmick to it, you know, I grew up with big Chuck and little John. If you guys are from the Cleveland area, you know who they are. Um, but, uh, you know, there's been a resurgence, uh, of, um, popularity, I guess, or interest in horror hosts, uh, whether it's obviously, you know, there's the mystery science theater 3000 aspect of it. You know, whether you want to think of Joel and Mike and Jonah as horror hosts or not, uh, movie hosts, maybe be a better title, but they're in that same genre, uh, or not genre. I'm sorry. Same, uh, affiliation, but, uh, there's, you know, the mummy and the monkey out of Cleveland. There's uh, the big bad, uh, movie show, which is, uh, on W, uh, UAB 43, which was the home at one point of, um, Superhost, who I've talked about, you know, my early memories of watching Superhost as a kid and getting introduced to the Universal Monsters, things like that. So there is a a very um, strong, at least for me, attachment to that idea. And I I think that it works well here. It's sort of the reversal of Peter Vincent in Fright Night, where Fright Night is the kid that's watching this horror host thinks that he's really going to know how to deal with real life horrors. And the guy's like, I'm just a horror host guy. Like I'm not, I'm not uh, some horror monster hunter. And it's sort of the reversal here where she falls into it simply because 
she becomes a horror host. Yeah, this is not my name is Bruce <laughs> type yeah. of like situation, right? Uh, yeah, I no, I dig that. It's like almost like as if you you'd find out like Art Bell actually was going out and like finding UFOs, right? And like after doing like AM coast to coast at nighttime, you know, it'd be like, mm-hmm. oh shit! It's like he does do this show and he actually does talk to aliens. That'd be weird. Um, so I dig that. I dig that there's the, 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 the family dynamic of her and the brother who runs the station and also like the legacy of the town, um, which I know we just talked about that with like um, my bloody Valentine. There's that, that sense as well of like, you know, you kind of owe it to your town to act a certain way. Like, like in the sense of like, she doesn't, but that's how the townsfolk feel type of thing because of her parents. Uh, so there's some interesting things here. Um, and then also, uh, you know, th- I also like the idea that there's um, multiple monster problems. It isn't just one straight ahead thing. I kind of dig that too. It almost gives it like, I mean, I know this thing's trying to set up to be like an ongoing series for like longer than four issues. Right. But I like that the two problems that are showing up aren't necessarily related other than they're tied to um, the potential legacy that she's walking into. I thought that was kind of a nice twist as well. Yeah, they're setting up a larger world. I in a spawn research, type universe is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> but they are setting up a larger world and uh in in doing research for this episode uh in one of the interviews with David Dustmalchin, he said that, you know, if if it was successful enough, cuz he actually created this character a long time ago and had just been writing about her for I don't know, ever since he was a kid or maybe like in his teens or something along those lines. He's like, I have easily, you know, three years worth of like, if it was going to be a monthly series worth of stories. So he's already got material ready to go. Um, I don't know. I have unfortunately been unable to find anything stating like, hey, here's the next volume or more is coming. And I'm hoping that it is. I don't know how well it did as a book, but I would love to see more because it certainly sets it up. I mean, even I wouldn't say the book ends on a, a cliffhanger. It does. In the sense that, be, like, it, it, it does. It's not like the city is in, in trouble. Like it resolves its story, but it says there's more to come. That's fair. That's fair. And also I do like, um, uh, there was the, 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 the last panel of, of most of the books, what also like, so not only was it leading to the horror host thing, it was leading into like the EC comics with like the narrator, right? Like, um, like the, the whole idea, what was the friar? And I forget the other ones, like they, they should like giving kind of like a narration, right? Was it the end of the, the end of the uh, issue or the beginning? I think it was the end of each issue, right? Cause they teased what was happening next. If I remember right. That is correct. Yeah. It's the end. And, uh, I think, one of those characters is who David Desmolchen is playing in the trailer. And there's actually a whole YouTube channel, which I only discovered doing uh, research for this. And we can talk about like how <laughs> this has got some major people behind it, but somehow feels hidden at the same time. But yeah, there uh, are horror. I don't want to say horrors, but like uh, an EC, like crypt keeper type person at the end of each issue, teasing what's coming next. Yeah, and I also got to toss out here, was it issue two? I'm going to find it here. Um, we'll talk about access to this too, because I think this is important. Um, oh, man, I just, uh, I've lost this thing on our on, on someone's comicsology um, that I may or may not have access to. <laughs> no, it's just that one of the, one of the issues, one of the, I think it was the second issue, uh, it was given a specific name, and I, I want to give kudos, but also I'm angry at it. Um, so 
Um, I want to believe the second issue is called Encounters with the Unknown. And it's like, that's a great pull, but it also makes me mad because I had to think about Encounters with the Unknown. Um, I don't know if you picked up, picked up on that or not. I did not. I thought you were going to say it was called Ready Player One. <laughs> no. Uh, so um, there was, uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, I have, um, you, I, someone let me read the issues through their comicsology here. Uh, but I think the second issue was called Encounters with the Unknown. That was the, like the actual name of the second issue here, which let me look this up here. Issue two. Uh, let me flip through this real quick. Sorry, this is great radio. Uh, it's not letting me see anything other than the, the title. Um, but Encounters with the Unknown was an anthology movie put out in the 70s that actually, yeah, the second page of the book of issue two is called Encounters with the Unknown. I want to find David and be like, were you just messing with people or do you honestly enjoy Encounters with the Unknown? Because that's not a great anthology movie at all. It just happens to have narration by Rod Serling in there sometimes. But I just looked at that. I was like, you want to talk about like, like just midnight trash cinema. That's not even like great, but you get it for free because no one would pay for that. I, I was wondering if the rest of the titles of the books were all kind of like nods towards like, like late night. Like, I don't know. Let's just show it. If that's the case, that's a lot of fun. I do think that uh, I think there's a love here of that stuff. So even if he doesn't particularly like that movie, I, there's probably a love of it, and that's probably where it came from. And I, I, I do. Uh, I hate to use the, the term geek cred, but like clearly, David Desmolshaw is not doing this because he's somebody who like wants to get. I sometimes feel like celebrities or actors will cozy up to geek culture just because it's hip and cool now. Yeah. Um, and I, I hate to say that because it, it, I, I don't even like that term. But like, this is a guy who clearly loves this stuff. This is this is no, not a guy who's faking it. We'll no, put it that's that fair. Way. No, like, and and, and for, um, for them to pull something like that would be, you know, it'd be I don't know. Like, I think he'd be a little bit more on the nose of something like more popular. If you're going to pull something like Encounters with the Unknown, then that means that you you've rolled around the dirt like with this kind of stuff. So you you have paid your dues as a fan of the genre. Yeah, and I, I I think that's where he lands. I could be wrong, you know, but I there's never at a point when that I read this where I was like, yeah, he doesn't really get what he's trying. Not at all. God, how do no, I put this? No, I, just, no that he like this. This feels of the same thing that he like. It. it how do I describe it? Um, he has a love of this, and this feels firmly wedged into that same love. Like it's a product of the things that he enjoys. It's not a, um, it's not a, a repeat or a remake, but it's definitely something that with the name and everything you can see going on here that like, it's a love letter to this, but it would firmly, it would be firmly lodged into the same like lump of everything else. Like it, he, it's almost like as if, um, if as a kid, he would have found this and would have loved reading it. You know, like, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think uh, the point that I was trying to make is, is that sometimes there feels like there, like, this doesn't feel like it's something he's like, oh, this could have been a movie, but it's a comic book instead. Like, this feels like something that he, he really set up to be a comic book and uh, listening to him in interviews talking about his, and I, I don't know what it is. I think it's that we all want to like <laughs> stars. They're just like we are, but like 
he was talking about the comics bookshop that he went to when he was a kid, and he was talking about it the the, the book debuting there. And I'm like, that's awesome. That is I, awesome. I don't remember where he grew up, but he's like, you know, oh, there's going to be a big sale. You know, this is the store that I used to buy comic books at back 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 in the day, and I I, I just. I hate to say it, but hearing that stuff makes me go, all right, I'm buying into this. I'm buying into what you're doing just simply because you seem to have an affinity for it the way that your readers do. And that goes a long way. I hate to say that, but I've seen things published before where it's like, well, this clearly feels like a vanity project for whatever actor who's trying to get this made. And I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I have seen that where I'm like, or they, they're like, well, you know, they won't greenlight a movie, so we're making it into a comic book first. Like, I, I can't give specific, specific examples at this time, but I, I feel like we have seen that. So that's fair. So I'm going to ask you um, from like. I know you're going to immediately dismiss this because you're, you're very humble and you're quick to tear yourself down. And that's why we're friends because I'm quick to tear myself down and we recognize, uh, you know, uh, self-destruction. Um, I, in a way, I feel like this is like, this is like an interesting bookend to like what you're doing in terms of like digging around the genre and kind of playing with a little bit. Um, when I made the joke to you, like after we stopped recording last week, when you're like talking about this, I was like, why this feels like the book Steve would have wrote. And you're like, yeah, you know, this is pretty fun. Um, this isn't too far off from something that you'd have been like, Hey, what if this, this feels like, like if I'm sure while reading this, you're probably kicking yourself of like, God damn, why didn't I think of this? Cause I feel like this is right in your wheelhouse mentally of what the stories you like telling. Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I said that earlier where I was, comparing protagonists because they're very similar but i i i definitely like i don't know that i I could say like oh i have a a type of story that i'm interested in but this is right up my alley it's it's things that i love like movie hosts it's it's you know characters with screwed up backstories and problems it's uh excuse me it's it's you know told in in uh larger than life panels and like i i guess uh, yes this is uh, thank you for the compliment but also this is definitely like something that was directed at me and it's kind of a shame that it got to me as late as it did like it, it's weird you know i have a google al- algorithm where google news will show me things every day for things that i'm like <laughs> Yeah, I had a minute interest in that four years ago. Interesting, <laughs> it popped up now. Uh, or like, for instance, Amazon kept trying to sell me vacuum cleaners for a year after I had already purchased a new vacuum cleaner. I'm like, I'm good right now, Amazon, but thank you for suggesting a different vacuum cleaner to me every day for the rest of my life. This should have been something that should have popped up in my news quite more frequently. We could talk about promotion and things like that, because I do feel like David looking through stuff that I found online. I'm like, wow, he's really out there pimping this. Why didn't this reach me sooner? This is certainly something that is absolutely up my alley. And, uh, you know, I I just want to talk real quick about the art too. Like, um, Lucas Kettner, who is, is the artist. Um, and, uh, Lauren, Lauren Affey. I hope I'm not saying that incorrectly is the colorist. The artwork is gorgeous in this book. Uh, I feel like, Lucas Kettner is somebody I'm not familiar with looking at it. It's his artwork. I saw two things that I would say feel like 
influences like Bernie Wrightson, who is you talk about horror comic books with anybody, Bernie Wrightson's going to be the guy that's name's going to come out of everybody's mouth first most of the time, unless they're talking about the EC comics. But Bernie Wrightson, I think, is clearly defined as the master of horror comics. Uh, he passed away four or five years ago, but he's still that big of a looming name at this point that I don't know that there's a bigger name in that. Uh, but I mentioned EC Comics. There's Jack Davis, who unironically, or I should say ironically, I'm using it wrong either way, he was a EC artist, but he became more famous when he did work for Mad uh, Magazine, which came out of EC as well. Um, I feel like there's shades of both of those artists in the artwork here, and uh, those are two really great artists to draw upon um, when you're putting out a book like this. And uh, the colors are gorgeous. I love the palette. Um, I just want to blow up the artists because I think they're both fantastic. I think it's both a wonderful, um, you know, penciling and inking and wonderful coloring. It's a, a nice mash between the two. No, it's good. And thank you for bringing that up because I, I would have failed to do so because yeah, like not that because not because they're not of worth. It's just that like maybe I, you know, you, you be a creator, uh, and with, with your, you know, your co-creator Ryan on the, the slasher, I'm sure there's a lot of under the hood stuff that you see, like, like, um, and I, you know, I'm not saying you're, you're comparing yourselves to to everything it puts out, but you know what you guys do to make something. So I'm sure that if you look at any other like someone else's output, you're going to be like, eh, I would have done this, or I know what you did here. I don't appreciate that, and I'm not saying that about this book, but I'm sure you have a much more um, educated eye to this. And I was going to ask you about that. There's a sequence um, in this book where. Uh, she has a setback as you do. Cause it's a hero's journey where it's these four panels of her in the same position, but in different, um, situations. Uh, I thought that was really effective and I don't know, is that something like, I don't know about you, but it's like every time I see something like that, I'm like, I'm going to put that in the back of my head because that's a really interesting, like storytelling device. And then I immediately forget it because my mind's a broken bag of glass. Do you see these things of like, that's a wonderful way to convey everything I want to say without having like seven pages of dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. As somebody who <laughs> I, I I've talked about this before and it's evident when we have discussions on the podcast, but I, I have a problem with brevity and I have a problem getting from a to B in a short, the shortest way possible. So with, with writing, my advantage is, is that I can write and write and write, and then I can edit and I can figure out what's the quickest way to the point that I want to make. And I don't always do that, but I, I do know that like there are entire sections that I've written for the Saturday selection where I'm like, I got to take this out. It's too much. And I, I've also seen where it's overwhelmed Ryan, where I'm like, here's a page of like, uh, you know, eight panels of dialogue. And he's like, where are the people? Um, <laughs> if you could just please so, put a pair of eyeballs at the very bottom. <laughs> right. <the> word balloon. <laughs> so it, it, it's one of those things that like, I certainly struggle with but, uh, when it comes to this, I would love to see a, a director's cut of this, which I know people are like a director's cut. Like that's what they've in the last, I'd say 20 years, we, every once in a while we'll get what's called a director's cut of a comic where you get the script and the original artist giving their notes on whatever they've done. I would actually love to see 
how David had written it out and what was interpreted by the artist. Cause there, there's part of me that's like, okay, it's a great framing uh, device for different problems that are happening at different times within her life. But it's also so visual that I'm like, did the writer come up with that or did the artist? So yeah, that's like, even, I mean, even that seg- segment, which was a very emotional bit. That's like, you kind of, you could blip right past it and just be like on to the next page or you can kind of really think about like, like, um, she's staying static. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a really cool sequence. And even earlier when she gets confronted outside uh, the TV station with, uh, you know, with the guy who doesn't expect her to be her and he has his own problems, how fast that plays out, um, in terms of the action of, you know, there's this, like, it's, you know, a monster attack. I don't know if I am sophisticated enough or smart enough as, as a creator myself that I'd be able to get that across in like four panels and like a page and a half. And I'm just curious about your thoughts about that. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely something that I struggle with. And I think that, uh, like I said, I, I would love to know what was written and what was drawn, but yeah, that that's such a, uh, a, if it, if this was a movie, maybe it would be easier to convey that, but I don't know that it does. I think that that's actually one of the things that's nice about comics is, is that, uh, you can actually have these visual cues and use them as storytelling devices. And you can do it in such a way that it's going to slow the reader down, which is what I think that page does. Um, I sometimes wonder, you know, within my own work, you know, when I'm, I'm writing something and, and giving it to Ryan, like I've, I found that there's a, a, a balance between too much and not enough, uh, where I'm like, how much information do I give him? Because sometimes I, I have, I, what's the word I'm looking for? Not shoehorned. I've, I've, I've put him in a corner where I'm like, here's everything that's in every panel of every scene here. And then I'm like, draw it. And there's <laughs> make, not make a it lot gooder. Of Just make it gooder right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of room to move for him. And, but there have been times where I've written something. He's like, I, I, I need more. Can you tell me more about this or more about that? And uh, so it is hard to find that. And I think storytelling is, is such a, hard thing to really nail down. I don't know that it's something that I don't want to say that, uh, that anybody nails because there are clear, you know, I, I could think of many comic books where I'm like the storytelling so good here that you don't need the words. There have actually been comics that have been put out without any words that are silent stories that the storytelling strong enough that you can, you can see how they're conveying the story. So something like that, I think it's it's too good to be a coincidence. Like they didn't just happen upon that. And maybe I'm wrong. You you know maybe you'll ask the artist. He's like, I was drawing it and it clicked, and like I happened upon it. But I, I feel like there's more planning or something happened that created that synergy there. And I don't want to misquote Frank Miller, but I, I think I remember in an interview with him, he was talking about film controls everything when you're watching it whether it's a TV, a TV show, a movie, whatever you can't, I mean, yes, you could fast forward through it, but you can't, you can't affect how the story is, you know, told to you. You have to just sit there and observe it with a comic book. People can whip through panels. And he, he was talking about 
you've got to be a great storyteller to get somebody to slow down reading your page. Yeah. And I, I think that that's an example of exactly of what you're talking about. I think that it's good storytelling and, uh, it's good character development, you know, uh, that could have been something that, you know, maybe there would have been four pages of dialogue or, or word balloons written over it, giving all the emotions that you're supposed to be getting. But he's, you know, comics are a visual medium and they're giving it to you in a page with some just four panels. Yeah, I just I, I guess that's I mean, not that like um like this is a, this is a fun read. These four issues are solid. There's fun to be had here. There's there's good character beats. Like, again, I can't recommend this enough. It's a lot of fun. I guess it's just trying to like pull myself back. I not only did I want to have a conversation about the book, which I, you know, I think we've done a, a, a decent enough job to whet people's appetites. Cause again, I don't want to step all over everything, please. There's there. It's, it's just, you know, like, like you bought it digitally and we'll talk more about that in a second. Um, support this, like maybe there'll be more, but like, if you have any interest in like this, like night, it's not even a genre mashup. It's just, it's a genre specific book. It's not a superhero book. Um, it would almost be like, what if Dr. Strange, but not doctor, but were a cape, but hosted like, what if Dr. Oz was a doctor, like a, like a doctor that like, I guess Dr. Oz isn't, he's a doctor, but not really. But like, what if like, you know, like, I don't know, Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil was actually like, you know, out like fighting people afterwards. There's a great going on, you know, whatever. It's just, um, I, I, that's, I, I'd probably read that book. Uh, but yeah, it's, there, there's, there's a lot of like, it's like someone putting on a front and then you realize there's something else going on. And I'm a sucker for that. That's a lot of fun. I think this book's like worthy of that. I just like picking your brain. Cause I always struggle about like, and I, I know I talked about this, um, previously with you, um, about writing for time. Cause I think that this is when we talked about, uh, when we talked about the fly, cause that, that movie's like really, it's just tight and it, but it, it gets time across really well. Uh, and I was asking you and our, uh, our friend Richard on the show here, because he's also a writer, like, how do you write for time? Cause I feel like there's a lot here that like, how do you, I just, how do you envision that? Like these characters exist, right? There's a story being told the clock's ticking, but like, where do you choose, where do you, um, where do you choose to pick up and drop, uh, the pen in terms of their day? Cause that's where I always get lost is like, here's a story I want to tell. Yeah. But now it's lunchtime. Where are they at? Oh, now it's Where are they at? Like, I don't, I feel like a lot of the storytelling and also what you, what you do well is that you find like, like a movie, like where's the edits? Like what, what, what pertinent information can I get across now? Whenever I'm thinking of a story, it's like, I know where I want to go, but it's like, how important is the information in between? And that's where I always get lost. And that's why I always stall out. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, uh, you know, and this is not me being self-deprecating at all, at all but I, I talked earlier about uh, how I have, you know, hit Ryan with pages where I'm like, here's a whole bunch of dialogue and it's two people talking and go. And what's happened is, is that uh, there's a sequence in the first issue, uh, which is the main character of Julie. And I'm talking about the Siren Slasher. I'm sorry, not Count Crowley, but I'm talking about in my book uh, where she goes out and she's just basically looking to pick up a guy. And the guy that she meets, there's five pages, I believe, that that's supposed to be their entire night together over those five pages, but I wanted to 
there are a couple ideas that I wanted to convey. I wanted it to be, can't convey that the guy she actually ends up would have been a good guy for her, but she's in a point where she doesn't really know that. So you're never like, oh, this is just some guy who's out to sleep with somebody. He's just a, a guy who ends up meeting a girl at the bar. But I, I had this idea of like snapshots of their conversation throughout the night so that you get pieces of the things that they had in common. And I, I it's it's not a problem with the way Ryan laid it out. It's the way that I wrote it. It was supposed to be different points throughout the night represented by different panels. And I don't feel like it reads that way. It It, it loses itself, I think, within the different points of the night unfortunately and that's a tough thing like and this is something that i would say to anybody who's gonna try and make a comic book like you you can only get better so (laughs) you know it's the only thing like that, that i think sometimes keeps me going is is that i'm like well i can see why this didn't work for me the way i wanted it to how can i do it better next time um it's just, it's a learning process. And I don't know that anybody ever feels like, you know, they're a master storyteller or a master artist or know everything. And I've, I've heard this from other artists where they're like, you know, that's the time when you should quit. If you think you know it all and you know how to do it the best that, and it can't be done any better, then you're no longer growing, if you will. Um, and I, I think that that's important to keep in mind too. Um, but yeah, that, <laughs> That type of thing, like hitting snapshots within a night and, and time in relation to what's happening with a character, that's a tough one to crack. Like it's it's something that I imagine I'll still be, you know, knowing what's going to happen in the third and fourth issues, I'm going to be struggling with it because a lot of what's happening is going to be happening to different people at the same time in, a, in one specific house and I'm not set, you know, I'm not giving anything away about like a horror film, but like horror films, you know, usually there's a person who gets killed and everybody else doesn't know about it. And then somebody else from the party gets killed and no one knows about it. So like <laughs> trying to do that in a comic book is going to be hard establishing where different people are and where they're in relationship and, you know, to other characters and what time of night it is. And yeah, so it's, it's a, I don't know if I'm giving a good answer, but like, if you ask me that question, it's something that I think a you know, you've got to be really good to be able to control it. And I think that, uh, it's something that everybody struggles with. Okay. I just, I mean, I'm not saying that this book has an issue with like in terms of time and what's going on. I just, I was asking you because like, um, obviously I don't know. It's just, uh, re- like if it's done well and done and done right, you don't think about it. You're just on, you're along for the ride, which is a good sign that the book's clicking. And, this one, it's like, you know, you get through all of it, you're like, okay, that was a lot of fun. You don't overthink, like, what's going on. Like, they do a good enough job of us keeping with the main character. Um, I'm talking about Count Crowley now. I don't want to keep, like, causing whiplash here. Uh, with Jerry, like, the, the bulk of the book follows her. Like, there's an encounter in the middle of the night. She ends up, like, off the road, and the cops find her in the morning, and it's, like, the star of the next day. It's like, you know, like, you get, you know, you follow her for the most part. Um, and I think it does a good, a good job of conveying everything through her perspective. Not that every single panel is of her perspective. There's a little bit on the edges that give you other people's reaction to her, which I think is also important. Um, so I dig that. Also like, I also like the vulnerability, which I know I, I, I keep tying this to your book, but because she is this raging alcoholic, um, that 
I can't relate to whatsoever as I'm going to keep drinking my beer here. Um, I mean, it's not cost me my job at the station yet, but whatever. Um, to, to quote uh, Nicole Byers, like, I'm not an alcoholic. I show up to work on time. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I mean, one of my work is three feet away from me now in the pandemic. But anyway, so um, the the fact that, like, she has kind of ruined her her credibility with her family, her job, her town, that it's this cry wolf situation of, like, hey, everybody, these monsters are attacking me. It's like, you stink of liquor. She's like... I know that's not important right now. There's monsters, <laughs> you know, like I, I do like that, like dual air of like, no, 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 I'm being serious. Everyone's like, you're paying up like Alice Cooper and you, you smell of liquor. Good luck. Like I, I'm always a sucker for that. Like that, the, 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 the character layer and the reality layer, which I know I've talked about earlier, but I'm always in where it's like, no, 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 this is really going on. I know we're not going to believe you because of your previous decision-making. It's really well done here. Yeah. And I mean, in relation to the conversation about time and maybe even pacing uh, in the first issue, you know, the first two or three pages start the story where the first issue ends and then you pick up with the character and then you get to the very end and you realize you're back at the beginning where the issue started. And then the second issue picks up from that moment. But like it, it's I, we've seen that before, but I think it's done well enough here that like it, if you start the story with something as how do I put this? Like you, you need to have uh, it's, it's the reason why there's a kill at the beginning of the Saturday Night Slasher. I, I actually didn't think that the Saturday Night Slasher was going to start that way. But I realized that I needed something to happen at the beginning of the story that told people that this is a slasher story and give you that feeling of watching a horror movie. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of comics will start with the splash page because they're like, you need this big image that's introducing the story to what it is. And this does that really well. It, it gives you, you know, if it had just been jerry at the renaissance fair uh, and i love that stuff don't get me wrong but her basically having an interview with the person who's uh running the renaissance fair or the owner of it and basically uh having an interview with him and seeing her kind of lose her last grasp at a good job with her, her brother's slash family's company that's not a big enough moment to kick off the story so what this does is it's like we're going to give you a little piece of how the story uh, this first issue ends you don't know it at the time because it makes that jump but I think it handles it really well yeah, and and so I think that that's like that's a tough I'm, I'm stepping on you I apologize that's no I'm not always a big fan of like oh let me tell you how I got here and then you hear one of these like you hear <laughs> and they used to hear like Oh, let's go back to the beginning. Like, I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not always a big fan of that because it's like, well, I know where it's going, but that's sometimes a movie that comes back to like the last 20 minutes, at least with this, that, you know, you're getting three additional issues. Like at least it like, yeah, it isn't like, let me tell you how I got here. Like, uh, like at the end of the series, like that's, that feels like a cheat, but he, you're right. Like this is again, it, it, it knows it's genre. It knows that it's leaning into the tropes of that. I'm okay with this. 
Yeah, and it's also a great hook for starting the story. It just is. I mean, yeah, because you already have her in costume. You already, you already have her like drunk as a skunk. With, I mean, granted, I don't know if the hair, the hair coloring factors into that skunk like look. Uh, And then her (laughs) like confronting the guy outside and what goes on with that. Like, yeah, like that's um, that. You're right. That it gives you like this feel of like, oh. Like, like this is, this is going to go bad. This is going to go real bad. And like, and then you go back, you're like, and like, it wasn't even like a day before it's like, oh, this isn't even good either. You know? So uh, like giving you the beginning and then giving you the end, like in this case of this book, you, you're not, you know, you're like, ugh, I don't know about this. And then somehow the middle makes you feel better about everything in terms of the character, not feel better is not the right word. Uh, sympathetic and understanding. That's, that's the words I'll use for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that uh, they do a nice job of bringing you around to wherever they're at in the story. And actually they do it, I think in all three issues Mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, all four issues. And they, they give you a nice way of uh, not only recapping where you've previously been, but uh, giving you information while doing that, which is also a tough thing to do. Like it's hard to recap things sometimes and give, new pertinent information not not information that was you know like oh rewriting this but information that you didn't get in that that initial uh sequence in the previous issue yeah i just tell me that in your third issue that you're going to have someone literally like turn and look at the viewer at the reader and be like this is what you need to know right now like just go, <laughs> no, no, no. yeah i no. i could say that 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 will never happen Meanwhile, on the science slasher, no, previously, no. So no, this book, this book's a lot of fun. I am glad that you brought this to our attention to talk about, because I know we, we do struggle on this show to try to uh, delve into other mediums. And it always feels like we get kind of film heavy. Um, I know that's, that it's fun and, but it's not like, there is a lot of other things that we want to get into. And this was great for you to bring it up to me with that being said, um, and I know you're going to like, I know you're going to recommend this cause you, you know, you brought this to my attention. I was talking about this book to, um, my co-host on strange highways, uh, Terry, and he had mentioned to me, he's like, that sounds great. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be right up his alley. Cause this is the kind of things he'd be into. And he's like, he's like, yeah, it's like, I'm not, he's like, it's hard to get into comics. So I'm going to ask you in terms of like, it's not because he's not afraid to read comics. It's just that it's daunting because comics are constantly coming out. Um, I know you use comicsology. Um, like what, where is the, the barrier for entry for like the average person coming into comics? Because I feel like this, I know it's genre specific, so maybe it's not your superhero comic, but you want to read these four issues. You can find them, which I know you talked about that. Um, you just found this a couple months ago. Um, and we talked previously in our stories about Batman being released, like, like was a weekly or whatever. Um, you and I both kind of know how this works, but for the average person that may not dig into comics because they feel like I have to go to a store to buy something like how hard is it to get into comics? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, cause I, I, I have my feelings about comics being way too continuity heavy. Yeah. But at the same time I jumped into a story half, like my first comic was a story that was literally halfway through its storyline. Um, and I'm like, well, I was able to get past that barrier. Um, so I, I struggle with that, but I'll give you an example, um, of my memory of a comic book and, uh, 
I think I may have actually even talked about this on on the show, but um, there's an issue of Wolverine that I really love that uh, has a a bar fight between Juggernaut and Wolverine in a bar, and Cannonball's there getting hammered. I don't even remember what he's upset about. But Wolverine's kind of looking over him. Juggernaut shows up. Probably because Cannonball can't talk good because he's from the South. That's my hot take. <laughs> that's a possibility. But the long and the short of it is, is that, like, that's what I remember about that issue. I'm like, man, I love that fight in the bar between Sabretooth and Wolverine. It's, it's really funny because there's a shot where, like, uh, Wolverine is standing on top of the bar and he's not even nearly as tall as Juggernaut. It's really well done. It's one of the keywords who drew it. But I, I bought that issue and I hadn't read it in, in years. I, I, I don't know what happened to it. So I, I bought a new copy of it like a year or two ago and I reread it. And there's literally like that bar fights four pages. <laughs> there's literally like, I don't know, maybe like the other 16 pages of it are about stuff going on and the continuity of the X-Men universe. And it's all stuff that's not. Like most of it didn't even feel like it was directly related to Wolverine, and I'm like, oh my god, this is a snooze fest. Like, why? Why did I have to like? But the thing that I remembered was this bar fight. So, if if that would have been my first comic, picking it up, I don't know that I can honestly say that it would have gotten me to read more. Reading it now, after many many years, but when I read it originally. I was reading Wolverine, so it made sense. And I, I don't know. It's such a tough, tough line to, to try and like, you know, you want to reward fans who've been reading it forever. But at the same time, you don't want it to be a slave to 30 years of continuity or 50 years of continuity. And the, something like this, I think, is perfect for the the reader who's like, you know what? I don't need to know what happened to cable in X-Men or, you know, new mutants 98. Like I, I just want to read something and enjoy it for what it is. And I, I, I think that, uh, you know, modern comics have had to deal with this problem for a long time. Now, back in the day, there'd be an editor's note where they would make mention of something that previously happened. And they'd be like, yeah, it's in issue 45 of Spider-Man. If you want to know what happened the last time these two characters met, but that would be it. They wouldn't predicate the entire story on that previous continuity. So I do think there wasn't uh, an easier bar for entry. But I'm going to argue with myself again because the the other, the other great side of it is is there's so many different types of and styles of books out there that I shouldn't be hamstringing myself by going, well, there's Marvel and DC continuity, and like those are the major things that people have to get over. Because no, there's there's books like Count Crowley. There's there's books with, you know, maybe 10 issues or something like, uh, you know, Strangers in Paradise, which ran for, God, I think 10 years at least. But, he, you know, the writer slash artist of that, Terry Moore, made it accessible for people to jump into it. And I, I'm not giving you a good answer, unfortunately. No, no, no. no. But You're what giving I'm, me a fine answer. So, like, I'll, I'll piggyback off of that with – um. Oh, what was the name of that book? I think I talked about it on the show. It's behind me, and I'm going to make some chair noises. So bear with me, everybody. Chair noises incoming. Chair noises. Chair noises. Yay. Oh, chair noises. That's going to be the new co-host of this. Is uh, I'll no longer be on the show. It'll be Paul and chair noises. It's and it'll the, make better points. No, it's you. the TKO, um, 
Oh no, I just I messed up this cover. Oh no, it's my own though. So I already bought it. I spent money. It's uh, sentient. It's from a uh, TKO uh, uh, Press. Uh, I bought this at our local comic shop, Carol and John's, that they actually have a uh, uh, a TKO like little shelf. And from everything I understand about this book, it is self-contained and it is, um, you know, I don't know, like I guess would be, I'd say it's like a trade paperback, so it's like six issues. Um, I've not read it yet. I need to, um, as I keep cleaning up the cover here. So um, that's a good jumping on point where it's like, I just want to read a comic. It's fine. But my point is, was um, like, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll do two pronged here. You're talking about the, like the, um, the story point of coming into comics, which is fair. I was talking about the physical, um, like the media point of coming into comics where you have your comicsology. Um, that's a, I think that's a great way for people to get in where it's like, I have an app. I will like, like don't use your phone, use a tablet or your computer because they're like, when I was reading the, the book we're talking about tonight, the count Crowley, it has the guided reading, which comicsology is great for where you just tap the frames and you swipe and you read through it. It's amazing. When it gets to a splash page, it expands out. Like it's, it's my preferred way to read comics now. If they're not in my hand, it's wonderful. Um, do you know of any other way? Like, I think that there's, um, excuse me. Uh, there is the, uh, hoopla, which I think you can use with your library to get, uh, comics. I think there's other ways to get a hold of actual comics to get into your starting point might vary. And if you are anxious and you don't know where to dip a toe in, I don't know, tug the ear of a fan that's been reading comics. They'll give you plenty of things to get into. I think, I think that's fair. Um, but I'm saying in terms of physical access, um, there's multiple ways than, than walking to a store and buying an actual book. Yeah. I mean, so there's, you know, both comiXology and Amazon Kindle, which, uh, Amazon, I believe bought comiXology. Uh, I don't know. Four or five years ago, I think. Okay. At least. I didn't even know uh, that. Okay. That's yeah. All right. Long story short is, is they're constantly like, do you want to merge your Amazon account in your comiXology? I don't know why I haven't, but I just, for whatever reason, I'm always like, well, no, I know where my comics are. They're in comiXology. I don't need to go into the Kindle, even though I have a fire to read my comics from comiXology. I don't know why I've I would just that. feel bad if you merged it because then, um, I, you know, someone that I know named me, um, would have to dip into your Amazon. So if you keep it separate, <laughs> that'd be great. Why is Steve ordering so many rubber gloves? Why, no, why uh, do I keep ordering things on Steve's account by accident? Be like, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I know of comiXology mainly. And I, I, you know, you brought up like, you know, if you don't have somebody recommending to you things to you, which I just wanted to say, like, if you're in the Cleveland area and you're not going to get this kind of service at every comic book shop, but if you walked into Carol and John's and you told them what you're interested in, they'll give you a great list of oh, things I've, to check out. I've spent so much by accident where I'm just like, what do you think? They're like, how about this? I'm like, and I met back in my car looking at all the books. I'm like, what did I do? You know, like that's what happens. Like I, like if you guys go back to episode zero of the show in which I kept, uh, unfortunately thinking that I had the mixing right. And Joe kept getting more and more distant. Um, it, the, the genesis of this whole podcast was about like celebrating things that we like. I was at Carol and John's, this guy walked in and said, Hey, I, if I remember right, he was talking to the people working there. He's like, I heard there's going to be a daredevil Netflix series. I want to get into daredevil. And they're like, Oh, check out this. 
and they set this guy up. Like, that's cool. That's amazing. But I mean, in terms of like, you know, like there's so many arcs, there's so many different things to get into, right? Like, um, like there should not be, I think the intimidation is the biggest barrier for entry and like something like count Crowley, the, the barrier for entry should be low. It's like, Oh, you want to, you want to find, um, like an alcoholic, uh, person hosting a horror, like a horror show that, uh, fights monsters. Here's four issues. Dig in. But people may not realize that like comicsology is a thing. People may not realize that was it uh, Marvel, Marvel unlimited is a thing. Yeah. People may not realize it's like, comics are really easily had right now. And if you want to get in the, the barrier for entry is, is the lowest it's ever actually been. And I like, that's, that's what I want to put in here is that like, if you have interest, just like, just look at apps and then tug the ear of someone that kind of like, you know, it's a buddy system, right? Like find a buddy, you're going to find cool shit. And like, you're going to be surprised at what's available for good prices. Like, like Steve will admit that, like, I remember at one point I was digging his comicsology. I was like, I was reading stuff and I was talking to you about, it. you're like, I have not read that. Like, but it, you bought it. You're like, I know, like you can get so much for the price. Like, um, like we're going to talk about at some point this year, uh, J. Michael Straczynski's rising stars. You bought the entire series for what, like less than $30, something like that. Um, I bought that issue by issue as it went along. So, um, yeah, our barriers for entry are significantly different prices. And I, I, and I encourage other people to dig into that too. Like, um, access to comics is really low right now. Like go, go sign up comiXology, buy the issues of count Crowley, show support. If you have interest, it will pay dividends for you and for the people making the books. So yeah, you're right. I mean, any, any anything that you can do to get to, you know, support creators. I mean, we talk about it with movies all the time. You know, particularly you know, Psycho Gorman, where we were both talking about the fact that we were both going to run it, and then we saw that for another six bucks we could buy it, and it was just like, ah, you know, this is money that the the people behind it are going to get get to, to to from the movie and even if i don't like it at least maybe it'll give them more money to make other movies <laughs> so. well then i ended up paying what was it 40 dollars canadian and then some shipping for the blu-ray release of psycho gorman <laughs> so i'm excited i'm getting my uh, uh my hunky boys is going to be mailed to me eventually nice but yeah anything that you could do to support people and you know i i, I don't want to derail us as we're ending this conversation but i do also feel like as somebody who has been reading comics for a very long time, I know where to go to get my news in a lot of ways. I do feel like there's a breakdown with with comics or pop culture journalism, maybe. I don't know the best way to say it. It seems weird to me that this didn't make it to me sooner. We'll put it That's that fair. way. Um, and, you know, good or bad, you know, there are a lot of problems that came out of the wizard years of comics, but, like, at least every month I got something that told me every comic that was coming out and like they gave write-ups and interviews or, you know, Count Crowley might've even been because it had somebody like David Dispulsion behind it. It could have been a cover. Like, I don't know that a lot of the comic sites anymore do that. Like there's plenty of articles about WandaVision theories and we talk about that stuff too. So I'm not putting that down, but like, there doesn't seem to be, there's, uh, so, I don't know. So an actor in uh, Ant-Man and Batman, um, that is also in a lot of the, the, uh, Dennis via new movies. He's, he's coming up in Dune. 
that, wrote yeah, a, that's what I was trying to get to earlier, and yeah. I couldn't think of it. No, it's like he wrote a comic uh, about like I don't. It's just why why wasn't this like on um like bloody disgusting or superhero hype? You know, like why wasn't that there? That feels very appropriate. Yeah, and and you know, um, it's actually one of the reasons that like I've you know, and again we're in a, we're in COVID, so we're not doing conventions, but like. I've gotten better results taking my comic to horror conventions as opposed to comic book conventions just simply because that's where my audience is. So I don't know. Maybe they just weren't pushing in the right places, I think, for this. I, I don't know, but, you know, I'm glad it exists. I, I hope that it's done well enough that we're going to get more. Um, and uh, I, I kind of want to do a Jerry Bartman piece now. So... Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I've, I've currently been drawing a Skeletor piece, uh, cause I've just, I don't know why my brain is stuck on masters of the universe right now. Uh, but, uh, sorry, you know, no, I, I laugh. I should say, but I've been focusing on just different drawing things, uh, right now, uh, because we're in an in-between time before we ramp up, uh, the next issue. So I've been working on just trying to improve, and I, I don't know. I, I should there should definitely be a, a Jerry Bartman uh, Count Carly piece on my Instagram within the next two weeks. And if there isn't, just say, "Hey, where where is it?" Because I, I I love this. I show my support for it that way as well. Yeah, as long as like you know you just somehow have Cleveland burning in the background. I guess that's really where no um, whatever. Anyway. So no, the, 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 the count Crowley is a lot of fun. Uh, people should support the book, uh, get, you know, either physically buy the trade paperback, or if you feel like staying inside, uh, which you should, uh, support it digitally. And I, again, I think we did a pretty good job of singing its praises without giving away the bulk of it, which that, you know what, pat, us, pat ourselves on the back. We, we, we always usually walk all over everything. So, um, yeah, this was a great conversation and I, I purposely wanted to loop you in on your creative process and I wanted to loop in people on, uh, access to getting books. Right. So the, the barrier for entry is really low. It doesn't cost much. Um, and now I'm now saying for just for, for a dollar a day, you can also support a comic. Uh, but you know, Go go do it. it there, there's some cool shit out there. And this is what the show has been founded on. It's like we find cool shit, we talk about cool shit, and we enjoy cool shit and we want to talk about it. So there you and go. And even if you're like me and you want to wait for a sale, that's okay. Like, yeah, you can still support it that way. Like, Dark Horse has sales. Actually, all the major companies have sales literally like every week on Comixology. So maybe it won't be on sale this week, but next week it might be. So, yeah, who knows? Right. Yeah. So yeah, let's go do it for a discussion about Count Crowley and uh, smaller smaller titles and uh, you know uh, comics and in general. I'm sure we'll revisit this soon, but in the meantime, uh, you guys can find us on Invasion of the Podcast. We're on Facebook. Uh, you can find our blog. It's invasionofthepodcast.com. Um, you know, it's been recently updated after like a hiatus of me being a uh, you know a lazy piece of shit not writing things for a while. Um, if you guys want to read about my anger about a certain sequel, it's there. Um, I, I, you know, something else will happen eventually. I'm, I'm so bad now about like, cause I'm intimidated. We just talked about writing comics and creating. I'm like, I'm intimidated by blog posts. Suddenly, I don't know. Maybe I'll find a sequel for the year of the sequel that we're not going to cover. Did Mac and me finally get the sequel? I don't know. I don't think they did. They, you know, they <laughs> promised it. I don't think it ever happened. Um, but 
whatever. Uh, there's the blog. There's a lot there. Uh, check out and you guys could uh, email us directly at invadingpodcastgmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us would be greatly appreciated. If you enjoy this conversation, let others know because we, you know, the more the merrier and, and we enjoy doing this and we enjoy entertaining people. So please, if you like it, let people know. And S- Steve, how can people find you and the things that you do? You can find me at the Saturday night slasher.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under the Saturday night slasher. And if you want to buy uh, one of uh, our comics, you can buy the first two issues of Saturday Night Slasher or issue one of the anthology uh, Beyond Sunset. Uh, those are on our Etsy store called Art of the Slash. So head on over, buy it right now. Well, I shouldn't say right now. It's not like it's a special, but uh, um, I've got, I'm offering free shipping on, on comics. So if you buy the comic, you're not going to pay shipping. And he will also uh, make pancakes and, and keep put them in as well. He'll make a, he'll make a pancake for you. Uh, I, I will say this real quick. I don't know. I, maybe I'll make a Cuban uh, slider and wrap it for you and send it to you as well. <laughs> I haven't made this like known on, and maybe I should, but like you're always going to get free stuff with the comic too. So chances like, are, if you order like the comic, stickers, you're get animal stickers. hair, um, you know, maybe you'll get an invasion of the podcast uh, <laughs> magnet. Sure. Like, I mean, I don't know. You would talk about investments in my life that have not paid off. <laughs> Well, I mean, to be honest, if you order the comic, chances are you're going to get one of those, and you're you you might even get something like a cool drawing. Like yeah. I will randomly throw drawings in, or so. a lewd photo. We don't even know. Like that's possible, but yeah. Um, well, it's not a lewd photo of me. It's someone else. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't question where it comes from. You know, whatever. Anyway, so yeah, there you go. Support the book, and then so then get also Beyond Sunset and the second issue called Sunset. That's like, you know, no, <laughs> I'm not, it would be beyond sense. That would be uh nighttime, right? That would be the next, <laughs> next, uh, issue anyway. So yeah, that's, that's going to do it for us. Uh, pimping ourselves. Um, just, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, we just passed Valentine's day and the all important president's day. So now I have a super great quiz about presidents for Steve. Time to play the game. So I have 10 questions about, uh, about presidents. Uh, they could either be real presidents or fake presidents. Everything it's, it's all president related. Right. And also I know I always say pop culture. Uh, I know we talk about that a lot on the show because I don't know about you. Um, I'm tired of the words nerd and geek. I think I've said that even from the beginning of our podcast many years ago. Um, I'm just, I'm burned out. I can't, I just, everything is attached as nerd or geek. So everything's pop culture for me now. And I don't know how else to frame it. So I don't know your thoughts about that. Well, I said earlier when I was talking about David Desmulchin, uh, I, I, I shudder to use the phrase like geek cred, but I was like, he's somebody who clearly loves this stuff. And yeah. I, I, I don't like the term either. So just, I get I so no tired of it. I get so it's like, Oh, it's, it's like, like it's like geek-tacular, nerd-tacular, nerd, nerd. Actually, I take that back. There's a, there's a convention called nerd-tacular I want to go to, but, uh, that, that's just me. But it's like, it's like, Oh, I'm just such a this and this and this. So also before we get to the game, Steve, here's a rant I meant to get to earlier in the episode because we're, you know, not three hours yet. Can I just mention to you because we do podcasts and because the algorithm, on uh, Facebook just taunts me continuously. I don't know if you've seen this or not. There's a product called Poddex that keeps advertising to me. Uh, have you seen these? I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to pull like a uh, Jay Leno here. 
No, pod decks. Pod decks. Feeling pressure to buy a bunch of tech equipment to fix your podcast? You don't need a new mic. You need fresh content. At Pod Decks, we want to empower your content creators to have fresh content at their fingertips always. That's why we've committed to the fresh content guarantee. We're always putting out fresh decks to help inspire you to generate new content for your show. Imagine kind of like a Cards Against Humanity with like starter questions. They're called Pod Decks. And it pisses me off. It's like, if you can't do the work to figure out what you want to talk about next, you don't need, you don't need prompt cards. <laughs> so I, I haven't seen that. The one thing that I think is funny about Facebook is, is they constantly want you to promote things, particularly if you're a quote unquote business. And, uh, we, you had put up a post, uh, beginning of January, uh, regarding us taking the week off. Uh, due to the capital riots, and I kid you not, <laughs> I've seen like at least once a day for the last like month and a half. Like promote this post, and I'm like, Why no, do I want to promote. I don't want to promote like, uh, Captain America getting punched in the face and be like, yeah, we're yeah. taking the week off. I keep seeing that too. I'm like, why this one? You know, <laughs> like why not other things where we're actually talking about the content numbers shows and not like, hey, we're taking a week off. Let everybody know by promoting it with yeah. our Facebook. Uh, you know, targeted ads. I just, it just, this whole thing, the whole Poddex thing just pisses me off. It's like, I know I'm specifically naming a product, so I guess they got me, right? But it's like, if you can't sit down and think of questions to interview people about or come up with icebreakers or like, you know, like whatever, it's like, you know, that, I mean, I think that's more on you. And if you have to buy like a, a deck of physical prompts, then I don't think that. I, I here I am, old man shakes fist at cloud. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe this isn't the thing for you. Look, we've had the occasional episode where it's like, what do you want to talk about next week? I don't know. We'll figure it out. But it's not like we're struggling for topics. <laughs> it isn't like, hey, 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 Steve, I brought up this game of apples to apples, and I was like, hey, we should use this as a topic. You know, like whatever. <laughs> Christ in heaven! Like if you can't think of a topic then maybe your show's done. I don't know. Like I don't, we're, this is, this is episode 266. I know we've beat so many dead horses. Uh, PETA probably doesn't like us, you know, but come on anyway. So speaking of dead horses, I have a 10 question quiz here to round out the show. <laughs> and because I use my, uh, my calendar app to find out what day it is, which, you know, you could probably also argue is kind of a pod deck, whatever. Anyway, um, presence day happened recently. Um, it didn't give me questions. I came up with my own. Thank you very much. Um, I want to ask you some questions. Most of these are multiple, multiple choice. Some of them aren't because I was lazy because I didn't use a pod deck. Um, how many times has Morgan Freeman played the president? Oh boy. Is it, uh, uh, here's multiple choice. The, I give, multiple choice. I'll give you, okay. I'll give you. Oh, options. that's right. I was just going to ask, is he the president in those Olympus has fallen movies? Well, I'll give you the options and you can tell me Okay. one, two, three, or four. Well, I, I don't know if he's the president in those movies, but I think he is. So I'm going to say three. Haven't there been three of those movies where I'm like, how are there two sequels to this? Okay. So you're right that there's three of those. It's what, it's a, a, um, Oh, Olympus has fallen. London has fallen and angel has fallen. I think those are the three. I've not seen any of them. Uh, he is the president in one of them. Oh, uh, 
Uh, Deep Impact is the other one that he was a president in. So two is the right answer. Oh, I've never seen Deep Impact. I I guess I, I, I chose the wrong asteroid movie to watch. <laughs> All right. So, but... I like that you were like on the right path with that though. Cause I, I thought he was the president in all three of those two. And it's like, he was like the speaker of the house, vice president, and then president. So it is funny that I'll willingly, like, I'll just like blow up something where I'm like, you know what? The masters of the universe movie from Canada 87. It's not so bad. And then I'm like, Olympus is falling. What a pile of shit. <laughs> I haven't even seen that movie, but I'm willing to like, just stomp on it. Yeah, so yeah, whatever. I mean, it is what it is like, in terms of like, I don't know. Sometimes, like you can sniff, you can sniff out a piece of shit, and it's like, is it is like is it one that you want to roll around in, or one that you just want to avoid? Right? I think that's where I think, you know, we're we're all dogs when it comes down to it, right? Like, um, um, I'm gonna admit this on the podcast right now. Our our one cat, our uh, our younger cat Nero, has now had this habit of he likes to roll around the litter box like an idiot. So. Um, he rolls around in the shit box and he comes out and I'm like, why are you dusty? I'm like, Oh, you roll around the litter box again. He's an all black cat. I've now called him the gray ghost because of how much dust he has all over him. <laughs> and we've come to the point of like, if we try to yell at him, we don't want to scare him out of his toilet. Right. Cause you don't want to scare anybody out of the toilet, <laughs> but then we were also trying to entice him out with toys. But then that started to, he, he actually learned to go and sit and look at us. Cause he knows the toy was coming. <laughs> so then it's like, we're just going to kind of ignore it and hope he grows out of it. <laughs> but every so often I'm like, Whoa, you're covered in dust again, aren't you? So anyway, <laughs> so we all choose what pile of shit we roll around in. So that's what well, I'm that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. He's the gray ghost. That's what I call him now. Um, so, all right. So which president appeared on an episode of laugh in, uh, was it Lyndon Johnson, Jimmy Carter, Gerald Ford or Richard Nixon? So thanks to uh, uh, Nick at Night uh, from when I was a teenager that would show old laugh-ins, I know that it's Richard Nixon saying, sock it to me? So I asked the, the so you're right. So I asked the, the options out of order. However, here's a bit of trivia aside from this. So it like, so the, this was actually the question that was asked of the first person to win who wants to be a millionaire. And he burned a lifeline to call his, like his father to say, I've won who wants to be a millionaire. And then oh yeah. It, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That guy's name was uh John Carpenter, by the way. Was uh, it really? Yeah. In, uh, yeah. So anyway, all right. Uh, number three, what was the name? I'm going to, I'm going to, you give me one of the names. There's multiple, like this, this president has, he has a seven name name. Um, what was the name of Terry Cruz's president idiocracy? Just give me one of them. Oh God. Oh man. Uh, Camacho. Yes. You got it. It's Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho. <laughs> How did I forget Mountain Dew? The, the, the product that I probably drink the most of <laughs> next to Miller Light. Like, a, right. Oh my God. I haven't watched that in forever. I think it's because we were living in it that it's become a problematic film for me. I would agree wow. with that. Yes. So, but you got you got it. You got it. Um, which Marvel villain has not been president and like the, like regular Marvel or like offshoots or whatever, right? So, is it Red Skull, uh, Doctor Otto Octavius, Doctor Doom, or Norman Osborn? So, which one has not oh. been president? 
this is the weirdest reason to give for this answer, but um, you know, Doctor Doom is a lot variant. He's not a natural born citizen, so he can't be president. So that's that's what I'm going with. I feel like it's wrong because I think you know, Doctor Otto Octavius. I think his biggest score was just nailing Aunt May. But uh, Red Skull was German, by the way. I just want to throw that out. There. Oh, that's know. true. I didn't even think about that. I mean, I guess. Announcing the White House is pretty close. <laughs> I to mean, who'd have thought? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess I didn't even really think of that as orange uh, skull. You know, I just said it anyway. Go ahead. So yeah, please. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick to my original answer, and I'm gonna say Doctor Doom. Although oh, okay. I'm clearly wrong. Uh, you are wrong. It is Octavius. So the other three have shown up as the president. At some point or another, the Doctor Doom one's a little, little, little uh, squishy because I was trying to find it, and the, he he was referred to as President Doom, and then like everything, it was like everything was writing it was like we're not sure President of what, but he identified himself as President Doom. I'm like close enough, so yeah. <laughs> He's president of the PTA. Yeah, right. But Red Skull was the president of America, which was A M K E R. It was like a, like a like a like a what if type of thing. And Osborne, we know in the Marvel continuity, was president. Um, and then Octavius, um, you know, I just thought it would be funny, like that he would be like so whatever. He was the one that has not, to my knowledge. So he he sets his sights on lower. Uh, aspirations like, He's banging like there's only three branches of government there should be eight you know anyway, so, <laughs> right. that's actually really funny that would <laughs> I, mean, be I have my moments you know it's like <laughs> uh, according to garth and wayne's world what would cassandra of crucial taunt what would her presidential name be Ooh, um oh i know this yeah she's a babe she's a robo babe if she was a president, she would be. She would be. Oh, damn it. Oh, this is real angst from. Uh, she would uh, also be called Laurinard and just be hunted by her cunning or whatever they said. <laughs> oh, uh, I want to say it's like uh, baby love, but it's not. It's, baby it's, love? Oh, God. Oh, you're, uh, you're gonna have to tell me. I'm gonna Abraham Lincoln. That was the Abraham, name. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I love your anger at that. It's so great. I, I um, will say real quick too that, uh, and this is not a shot at Mike Myers or Dana Carvey, but like, <laughs> much in the line with the uh, Bill and Ted Three, I was always like, you know what? They could do one more Wayne's World, and then they did those Super Bowl ads, and I was like wow, they look really old suddenly. Like it, it wasn't like maybe because we've seen Keanu so much. And I think that Alex Winter still looks amazing. Like he, I don't think he's changed that. Much no, they both, years. they both aged magnificently. Well, let's just be honest. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, wow, suddenly like, and maybe it's cause it's in high def. I don't know. But I was like, wow, uh, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey suddenly look really old. So I've not seen those ads, but I saw a screenshot. I'm like, I'm good. You know, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just think that some point during this year of the sequel, we're going to, we're going to call out Wayne's world too. We need to watch that, but not this, not this month. We're going to get to it though. Um, all right. Um, so let's see here. Where are we out? Um, which actor turned president makes the call to put the dome over Springfield in the Simpsons movie? Uh, is it president Hanks? President Clooney, 
President Schwarzenegger or President Al Gore? I remember this also going back to my Latvian uh, argument uh, because uh, Schwarzenegger is not a natural born citizen, but uh, I believe they make a joke about it being rewritten that uh, Schwarzenegger can be president. And I, which I thought was weird because like he's, it's the same like design and voice as a uh, Rainier Wolfcastle. I yeah, just assumed that it was going to be. And then they revealed it as being Schwarzenegger. Yeah, no, you're right. It is President Schwarzenegger. President Schwarzenegger, yeah. Like Pretzeldent? Um, you know, but no, because it was actually Schwarzenegger, right, versus McBain. Like, so, yeah. I, yeah. But Tom Hanks shows up in that movie, though, so I just want to point that out. Um, yeah, for like a second. So, all right. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I, I will end this on... Um, I will do one more weird pop culture one. Then we'll get to actually some presidential trivia. And you're going to be like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Which of these films made after Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter is real. So I'm gonna give you two options. Abraham Lincoln versus zombies or FDR American badass. I don't know if American, if, if FDR American badass is real, but I kind of love the idea. And I also kind of hate it. Um, I'm going to say Abraham Lincoln versus zombies. Cause I feel like there was the, uh, pride and prejudice with, with zombies, which, uh, for those of you, uh, who may not have seen it, don't, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> it has Matt Smith. It has a doctor in it as a doctor from the doctor who's wow. All right. Well, I've not seen it. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> if you're a Matt Smith fan, I guess, uh, I'm also like Steve, you know, me anytime I give you an either or. Both yeah. are real. <laughs> and FDR is played by Barry Bostwick. Oh my God. It's so weird to me. Like I, Barry Bostwick is another person who I'm always like, Oh yeah, he was this and he was this. And then I'm like, wow, he did that. So he's got a weird filmography. I'll just say that I'll give him credit for doing different things. I'll give him credit for taking a paycheck. Yeah. But, uh, the whole, I guess the whole thing I was reading up on this, it's like, it's something about how he got paralyzed FDR getting paralyzed because of a werewolf. And it's just, it surprisingly enough, here's the thing that's going to shock you. That's not the one made by asylum. The other one is Abraham Lincoln versus zombies. That's the <laughs> asylum film. <laughs> well, to be fair, American or uh, FDR, American badass. Uh, has much more imagination than the title uh, Abraham Lincoln versus zombies. Like, right. Yeah. There's, there's nothing really there other than like, I guess you know what it is right from the start. Right. So yeah, that's kind of just, I'd look, I was trying to, I was going to come up with like other names. I'm like, Nope, those are both terrible. So that's where we're at with that. So, <laughs> um, all right. So uh, let me, let me end this with like some actual presidential trivia. I have three more questions here. So, all right. Um, Woodrow Wilson screened the first film in the white house. What was it? Was it city lights, which is a Chaplin film, a trip to the moon, which is the, 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 uh, black and white silent film with uh, the Lumiere brothers, um, uh, brothers Lumiere. Anyway, you, you've seen homages to this, uh, tonight, tonight, the smashing pumpkins video was an homage to a trip to the moon. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I was just going to say, I saw the smashing pumpkins video, but so you know on. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gold diggers of 33, which was before the, the movie code. Or Birth of a Nation. Have you ever watched Birth of a Nation? Yeah, I have. Okay, yeah, it's yeah, we'll we'll leave that problematic. 
And I don't want it to be Birth of a Nation, but there's a part of me that feels like it, that's what it is. So is that your final answer? Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Birth of a Nation. God damn it. Yeah. No, I, we talked about this. I believe we talked about it on the Superman vs. the Clan episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen Birth of a Nation as part of my film studies class. Like, the only reason it's revolutionary is A, that it's like a lengthy kind of story that goes from A to B. And also, they did these interesting, like, film dyes to show, like, the different segments. So, like, anything involved with Lincoln was, like, a purple and, like, whatever else. Like, so there, there is, technologically speaking, from a film standpoint, it's an important film, but making the clan, the heroes is utter bullshit and garbage, but it was the first film shown in the white house. Boo. 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 Right. So there we go. Yeah. Um, I just, I had a feeling that that was going to be it. And I'm like, Oh, great. Racist propaganda. Yeah, I know. So that's why I didn't end the, the, the quiz on this. So I got two more, uh, which, which candy bar, has a name tied to a president. Is it Payday, uh, Snickers, Baby Ruth, or Almond Joy? I, I If you guys are uh, playing the drinking game, Steve just sighed again for the 86th <laughs> time this, this evening. So every time uh, I sigh, you should drink. Uh, I, I did. That's, I mean, it gives me a good convenient reason to keep going. I yeah. sigh way more than I should. Uh, but, uh, I blame you for me being uh, lit at the end of every episode. That's not true. Right? <laughs> it's also society. No, um, <laughs> I think, uh, I, 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 I want to say payday and I feel like it has something to do with, um, uh, the new deal. I could be completely wrong. Okay. Well, you are, and you are wrong. So, uh, All right. the, the candy, bar, so, okay, let me put it this way. You're wrong. But the reason this this candy bar has a tie to a president is Luce's best. Baby Ruth, uh, that it was supposedly named after Grover Cleveland's daughter, Ruth, but it was named like the same year that Brave Ruth was like on the rise as a baseball player. And um, it, a lot of people believe that the candy company lied about the inspiration for the name so they wouldn't have to pay Babe Ruth royalties. Yeah, I mean, I honestly thought that Baby Ruth was always tied to Babe Ruth. I've never doubted that for like one second. Well, so okay, then to find so out you, there's a you, you'd never believe the lie. That's <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to know that there was some other reason given is completely shocking to me. Yeah. So, all right, here's the last one. This this one's ridiculous, and I, I appreciate this question. And I just happen to know this because uh, I rented this movie on VHS and read the back of it. Um, which president has a family member that appears in Pumpkinhead Two Blood Wings? Oh my God! I own Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead. Pumpkin <laughs> that's another Shout Factory purchase that I bought, and I've not watched it. I've never seen it, but oh. it was like on sale, and it was for like eight dollars. I'm like, sure, I'll buy Pumpkinhead too. Why not? I need to get free shipping, and. Uh, yeah, I own it. I have not watched it. So Okay, well, there's a famous uh, president's uh, family member in uh, that movie. Is it uh, Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush, Harry Truman, or Bill Clinton? Wow. Um, for some reason, my brain, I think it's the first Friday the 13th, has a relative of Bing Crosby in it. And I <laughs> well, was Bing a president, though? I don't think it was president. Well, he he was not, but that's that's 
when I think of like old guard, I think of uh, you know, I, I don't know what I meant by old guard, but I, <laughs> it's the end of the night, and there's clearly no, uh, you know, there's there's no reason or rhyme to the way my brain works at this point. So I'm gonna say Truman. I feel okay. like Truman would have been gone at this point. Well, he was. He was dead. And I feel like a descendant of, of Harry Truman being in a horror film wouldn't have been that scandalous. Whereas I feel like the other three were big enough or were, I shouldn't even say big enough. They were granted Clinton takes office in 92. So blood wings, I think is like 89. So it would have been before that, but I'm, I'm going with, it would have been a bigger story had it not been somebody like Truman who'd already been gone. All right. Let me look up, uh, um, Pumpkinhead, Bloodwings. The let's see here, the release date because you're gonna. Be and upset. you know what's weird is, is I know like people like talk about it being a terrible movie. That but film I was came like, out in '94, by the way. Um, it came out in '94. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So your answer's wrong. It's uh, Roger Clinton. <laughs> really? <laughs> Bill Clinton's brother. Yes. What year is the first Pumpkinhead? I feel like that's like. 86, 87, right? Maybe 88? Like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. That seems uh, like a large gap. It was 88. 94. That's still a six-year gap. Like, I'm going to guess it was made for the directed video market. Yeah, then. it was. And it's funny because I saw uh, um, that one well before I saw the first one. Really? Wow. Uh, I didn't I see the first one until I didn't see the first one until I did uh, The 12 Hours of Terror a couple years ago. <laughs> And that's maybe, actually a pretty, pretty solid movie. Maybe we shouldn't have uh, picked what we did for our year of the sequel next week. Maybe we should have just made it Pumpkinhead 2 since I've never seen it. I'm okay. Well, but, no, we can, no, we can change that right now. Do you want to do Pumpkinhead 2 next week for the year of the sequel with no, Roger Clinton? I feel like maybe this should be something that we should attack at, at a future. Because you got me excited to talk about what we're going to talk about. But I, I okay. think... Uh, well, how, well, so how about for October? Because we always kind of lean into like what we're doing. Like, Well, let me rephrase. Last year, we leaned into animation. Right. Like, and I know, what was it? Oh, but right before you joined the show, I did like a, like a sequel thing. But I'm sure we could find like uh, Halloween sequels for October again, right? Do you want to slate Pumpkinhead two for October? We could do that. Yeah, uh, sure. I, I now I'm like, do I wait to watch it until October or do I dive into it now? Because I'm, I'm like, that's, that's that's a good question. It's been sitting on my shelf for a year. Oh, I mean, there are there's a, a slew, of, and, and shocking to no one, there are a slew of shitty like you know horror sequels that got made to a lot of movies. Like, um, you know, I have. Uh, the Amityville series, which I feel like there are like 11 Amityville movies where you're like, how is this even remotely related? So yeah, we'll, we'll keep that in mind for October. Okay, great. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Roger Clinton and uh blood wings right there. Wow. So yeah. Uh, and that's going to do it. Yeah. You're, I know your mind's blown. I love it. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, that, that's our, our presidential uh, pop culture quiz. I didn't need any uh, goddamn like pod decks to make that happen. Look at that. <laughs> I just, I'm just so angry. I'm just angry. And like, like if you're going to commit, just think for yourself. Like, I don't care if you come up with like garbage questions, like you've done it yourself, you know, like the same thing, like, like, um, like you talk about like making comics, like you, you, you know, you'll like, you'll do a thing. You'll learn from it, move forward. Just, yeah. but you have to lean in and commit. 
you can't have someone hand it to you. You can't like podcasting isn't like, you know, a hungry man dinner. Like you have to put some work into it, you know, like, I don't know. It just upsets me that like, everyone's like, I'll just, I'll just like babble to a microphone and pull a card out and talk about things. I like the idea of not hard work to you is like a hungry man dinner where you're like, like it's not it's not it's not hard work it's not hard work at all no you put it in an oven and you wait for it to show up and you're mildly disappointed which i guess you could also argue that once we're done with the show you'll be like i waited a long time i was mildly disappointed but i want you all to know this was made with the utmost care it might be cold in the middle but we goddamn tried well there went our hungry man sponsorship I'm sorry. You guys can all make a Salisbury steak on your own, you know, like whatever. <laughs> so, all right. That's going to do it for us this week. Next week, uh, it's going to be a year of the sequel discussion. Uh, we're not talking about Pumpkinhead 2 blood wings as much as I was pushing for it. Um, I pitched to Steve earlier. We're like, he's already given me March. Ne- we're going to get into March. It's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, for, for the end of the month here, uh, we're going to get into 1990s RoboCop 2, which is a very conflicting sequel. Um, it, I loved this as a kid. I am going to like put money down right now that it has not aged well. However, um, let me just call my shot right now. There was a bit in the middle of this movie that made me laugh until my sides hurt as a kid. And I hope to talk about it next week because uh, there's an amazing bit where they're trying out additional RoboCops. There was a bit in this that just I couldn't hold. Like my family thought I had problems with how hard I laughed at it. Oh, I can't wait to dive into that then when we get get to it next week. That should be a lot of fun. Yeah, so that's going to be next week. Uh, everybody have a good week. Have a safe week. Uh, please support small comics. Go uh, buy uh, you know Count Crowley. Go buy the Science Slasher. Uh, please, 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 please. Uh, they. It's awesome. Support, support creators, right? So um, that's going to do us for this week. Like I said, have a good week. And um, I don't know, get drunk and fight werewolves. That, that, I think that's where we're at with this. I mean, that's how I spend my weekends. <laughs>